Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Hold the phone. Hey, brother. This is serious. Serious. We could make you delirious. Delirious. Just a bit outside. Just gotta stop, man. We keep having the same With Culpa and Maya. All right, we've got a fantastic show for you tonight. Welcome to the New York Sports Talk Podcast. It is Thursday, August the 6th, 2015. It is 10 p.m. It is time for Ready to Unload with Callum Sampete. Hello, I am the aforementioned Sampete, Steve Sampietro. Going to be joined in a moment by my co host for the podcast for Navy's Navy's. That's not right. For low these 240 episodes, Cal, Brian Calvin. And then, of course, we'll be joined by our old buddy, the Bishop Pop Culture, PJ. PJ, Cacho. So stick around. We have a great show tonight. A lot to talk about the Mets. First and foremost, the Yankees, a pennant race heating up. The trade deadline is passed. The Jets and Giants. Preseason is a week away. It's all happening. And we'll talk about Jon Stewart and The Daily Show. The last one tonight. So stick around. It's Ready to Unload with Callum Pete, New York Sports Talk podcast. Nice. No big deal. We are live from Comac, New York, Freehold, New Jersey, and of late, Newtown, Pennsylvania. Hi. Welcome to the program. Um, we have a ton to get to tonight, so we're going to get right to it. Thank you for joining us. Grab a cup of coffee, grab a beer, grab a glass of wine. We're going to talk New York sports nice. That's it. No big deal. It's nice. It's just like a conversation between a couple of buddies talking about New York sports and other stuff. So uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, let's bring in the co-host of the program, of this uh, here podcast. Cal. That's him. He's uh, He's still doing it. He is uh, the yin to my yang, the culpa to my maya. We have a lot of apologizing to do on the show tonight. He is loving the New York Metropolitans again. He's back in love with them, and he doesn't even care. Mr. Brian Calneva Calpino Caliente. Hi, Brian. Hello. 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 Hi there, buddy. Hi. How are you, pal? 
I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. What's shaking over in uh, Code to the Mac? What's going on in the Big Mac? Com to the Mac. Nothing. There, uh, there. <laughs> not, not, a, not a thing. There's not a lot usually going on in the one one seven two five. Not usually. No. 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 It, it, things don't get down in the one one seven two five. Having grown up there, it's uh, pretty staid. I feel like when things go down, they're not good. No, no. If if you hear about Comac, it's not good. No, yeah, like, you know, racist messages on the track for the on, graduation. On graduation morning. Did they do that again this year? No, it was just one time. They were just that Well, I thought it was twice. Did they do it twice? I thought it was in 93 and then again like in 2002 or something like that. I, I don't know about the early aughts. <laughs> You'd have to ask someone else. You were sleeping through those. There's there's so much going on tonight in the world overall uh, with the uh, the first GOP debates. We're going to have a presidential season soon enough. Not uh, on this program. Not, not here. No freaking chance. No way. Um, and then, of course, uh, Jon Stewart. And The Daily Show, his brilliant 16-year run as host of The Daily Show, comes to an end tonight. Spoiler alert, sorry. Was there anybody who didn't know that? Well, people might not have known that it was tonight. Tonight, 11.30 p.m. I think most people knew that he was retiring, but there might have been people that didn't know it was tonight. We're going to so talk. That would be the spoiler alert. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about. Uh, I would like to talk a lot about the Daily Show and the fun load tonight uh, when we get to that because it it really is uh, seminal. I feel like. Luckily, it's your show. You can do whatever you want. Listen, I'm not. We're not doing that again. We're not doing it. Doing what? It is not my show. Stop saying that. To your show. It's not my show. One time, Blog Talk Radio put it on Facebook that way. I didn't put it that way. It's not my show. It is our podcast. The two of us. Well, the well, three of us. Forget about PJ. <laughs> speaking of. The bishop. Is he here? He is here. He's, he's, uh, he's very quiet. I think he was eating some Havarti. I feel like he's up to something. Don't you, don't you feel like he's sneaking around? So, yeah. Like, yeah. Tiptoeing. Well, we were on Uvu together, he and I. Right, and uh, he was sitting tonight in front of some paintings that were just spectacular. Skulking about—that's what it is. I couldn't think of the word. Couldn't skulking. Think of sk- skulking. Right. right. Okay. Is it is it dimly lit? It is, is. It is. It is. <laughs> Somewhat. And these paintings don't look like they belong. Not that they're in his house. Is he in an art gallery? He might be in an art gallery. <laughs> He might. It's, there's a good chance he's in an art gallery. Would you would you put it past him to rent out an art gallery for one night to do a show there? Would not. To do a, to do to produce a podcast. <laughs> produce a podcast from the Reich. From an art gallery. <laughs> right. He's he's at the Reich Museum in uh, Amsterdam tonight. He's sitting among a Vermeer. Right. He'll be back tomorrow. Yeah, he'll be back tomorrow. Right. Flies back tomorrow. Here he is. He's playing his intro music, patiently awaiting his intro to the podcast, to episode number 240. 240. That's a lot. The Bishop Pop Culture PJ. Hi, Peach. <laughs> there, he, there he is. And, and Cal, we should mention, published author. Uh, A recently published author, recently right? Recently published author I can't now. turn the music. 
I can't turn can't, the music off. I can't get the music to go off. It's just going to be playing for the rest of this show. Who do we got to pay for this? This is it. Well, no, he wrote this one, so we're okay. Do we got to pay him? Do we got to pay Speaking him? Speaking of right. publishing, I own this. <laughs> this is on. one of mine. All right, there it goes. There it goes. Finally. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the button? Getting nothing. Did I ever tell you about the time, uh, Cal, that PJ wrote a 67-minute song? Yes. That's it. That's it. So we're just going to go for the rest of the show. Just <laughs> you heard it here. PJ, what is up, buddy? Oh, man, so much. Are you okay with uh, John Stewart tonight? We're going to talk about it in the fun load for sure, but I are you okay talking about it? Is it too soon for you? I'm okay. No, I'm okay. I, uh, you know, golly, I love the Daily Show. I, I sure do. We're gonna we're, we'll we'll get to it. I'm gonna tease. I'm teasing the fun load. Boy, that sounds filthy. Teasing everybody. Yeah. We're gonna, uh, okay, we're gonna we're gonna Daily Show the fun load. We're gonna fun load the Daily Show. I uh I got to see you this past weekend though, Peach. You got to see me. Physically, yes. I, I was. You didn't know that. Did, did you miss? Did you miss that four, that four to six hours we spent together on Saturday? Boy, he I ma- just, I he was forgot. just watching you from afar. I make an impression, huh? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Of course I remembered. I just didn't hear clearly what you said. Can you see my, clearly my, now? The rain is gone. Yeah, I do. No, my ice machine makes a considerable amount of noise, and just as you spoke. It dropped a big bucket of ice <laughs> <laughs> on your head. Yeah, heard, are you on? Heard, are you on I, double dare? I remember this weekend. <laughs> what? I remember Fremmer this weekend. You did. <laughs> wait, what? Why are you in Blazing Saddles? I don't know if I should agree to that. Why is there? Why is there an ice maker in the art gallery? Yeah, why is it? I was I was discussing the paintings that you were sitting in front of tonight. And uh, they don't look. They this is not meant in any other way, shape, or form. Is I haven't been to your house in quite some time. I hadn't seen them, yeah. and they they look. First of all, they look very expensive. They were. We had them commissioned. Oh, here we the go. Wi- the wife and I were looking for a little something to hang in the dining room, and couldn't find anything we liked anywhere we went. And somebody said, "Go to Etsy." and hire an artist, and they'll do exactly what you want. And I didn't really? even know you could do that, because I'm a Luddite. You didn't even know that was that was a thing. No, no. From an art standpoint, though, right? <laughs> right. You, you realize there were other crafts you could get on Etsy. Well, no, you can't hire an artist to do whatever you want. It has to relate to art, right? <laughs> you hired them to come in and plant shrubs. I'm just making sure. <laughs> I need you to fix my stairs. They creak. <laughs> yeah, but I'm a, I'm an artist. Yeah, I don't <laughs> care. You're you're on Etsy, buddy. It says right here I can hire you to do anything I want you to do. So we we found an artist who who did these great um, wild looking uh, abstract trees, and her thing was she put lovebirds on the branches. And I oh, said, I love the trees, and I, but I don't like lovebirds. So right away, right off the bat, I just start insulting the artist, 
right? I come right in with editorial control. Right. <laughs> right? Immediately I'm like, I'm your benefactor. I'm paying for this. I was just going to say, <laughs> were you sitting there in like a renaissance, like a a renaissance outfit, like from yes. from Venice? Yeah, <laughs> like the 1600s, and you were like eating yeah, like puff, a grape. That puffy sleeves, yes, and the right. striped pants, yes. <laughs> and you're eating grapes from a bowl. This me. Like I, I don't like lovebirds. I don't care for the lovebirds. I don't know why you have and a British said, dialect, though. If you were in uh, Italy, simply authoritarian, just, just just simply authoritarian. That's all. Oh, okay, it's generic authoritarian. Just generic authoritarian. Yeah. And uh, 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 long story short, she said, I'll scratch the lovebirds. How about if you uh, carve your names into the tree? She said, go so scratch your this, ass. She, so, so she made us these lovely trees, and then she scratched our names into the tree trunk like oh. lovers do. And nice. so now we can never sell this painting because it's got her names no. on it. <laughs> you got a bunch of triangles. You could, you could sell it to the people with the same names as you. That's true. But that's about it. That's Gotta true. Find another if, PJ we, and Tina. if we run into a PJ and Tina, then we're set. <laughs> Good luck with that on Craigslist. Look, go look on Etsy. Right. <laughs> go look on Etsy. That's the hey, maybe you can hear my ice machine. Hold on. <laughs> Are you inside it? He's changing a carburetor. It's really loud, isn't it? It's very loud. I I don't know what a carburetor is either, Cal, but that's the sound it makes. That's what it would make, I would oh, imagine. You stop it. You know what a carburetor is. You get the air, and you get a rich mixture if there's no air, and you need air with the fuel. The end. Is that what a gas and the oil mixes? Well, I don't know. You got a diesel? What do you got? <laughs> Shack diesel. Um, we have a... Uh, we have a ton of sports to uh, to get to, so uh, go. Your paintings are I've heard are that the sports this week was exciting. I have not been keeping up, so I'm anxious to know what's been going on. Well, there's a reason. A good week. There's a yeah. There's a you picked a good week to pay attention to the podcast. There's a. Uh, Although there's I heard a Tom Brady's email was hacked. No, it wasn't hacked. He had to give it uh, as part of the investigation for DeflateGate. That's another story that I would like to talk about, Cal. Oh, I see. Um, but also, there's a show. There's a. Re- oh, I hate you so much. There's a reason the um, <laughs> the title of this show is "Ready to Maya Culpa with Culpa and Maya," because somebody resembling me strongly. I mean, <laughs> the, the resemblance is very strong. Uh, said a few weeks ago that if the Mets were to make uh, certain moves that mea culpa would not be Latin enough for what I would have to do to apologize. Uh, and then, of course, last Thursday, I listened back to last Thursday's show. We just, I, we destroyed the Mets for a good solid hour. I mean, just... And we've done it a number of times on this show, and we Nobody's really... listening. We really, really laid into... I mean, really. So, um... You know what? Mets Is it fans, time to you're ready, ready to intervene with Cal and Sampy? <laughs> yeah, you're welcome, Mets fans. You're right, Cal. We we hey, did. Not, obviously, they were listening, right? Yeah. Hey, look, we know a number of high-profile sports writers uh, in uh, the <laughs> metropolitan area. 
uh, either tune into the podcast or have tuned into the podcast. And, sure. You know, some somehow, Hi, everyone. Hi, guys. Somehow, miraculously, something we talk about on a Thursday makes it into a column on Saturday. I don't, I'm just saying. No, I kid, I Whoa. kid. We 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 do. Whoa. We kind of talk to you. Football's right there. Um, I I think Antonio Cromartie said something unbelievably interesting about Roger Goodell, and I wanted to ask you, Cal, about, and we'll get to this, uh, about the disconnect maybe between the players, their union, and Roger Goodell and the owners. Um, because I I find that scenario with the NFL to be fascinating. And then the trade deadline was crazy. I mean, the trade deadline in Major League Baseball was nuts. So we have a lot of sports to get. Those trees are magnificent, Pete. Cal, you got to get on the UVU. You got to see these. I am, yeah. I am working on it. You you are efforting that. Can you see the inscription? Come on. I see the PJ and the Tina. Isn't that cute? I know a guy named twenty six thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Now who's who's ringing? Who's ringing? You are. Uh, it's me. It's me. I told you I was working on it. Oh. And you're calling. I I was. You're still calling. I'm still calling. Still, still drawing a blank. <laughs> still, still working on it. Right. You're still Hold calling. On. Let's cover up that noise. I'm not calling anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's time for uh, the unload. Because we were ready. It's time to talk about sports. Uh, big unload. Gonna... Yeah. The big unload. That's right. We're going to be talking about uh, the Mets. We're going to be talking about the Yankees. We're going to go to the Jets. We're going to talk about the NFL. We're going to talk about the Giants. So here we go. Cal. Yeah. Buddy. Mm-hmm. Pal of mine. What's up? Do you want to FaceTime so I can see you? Yeah, we're we're working on it over here. Are you working on Uvu? We're working on it. Okay. Very what do you good. got? Let's let's uh, let's talk sports. Well, let's ju- just jump right into tech, it. Tech Corner with Cal and Sam. <laughs> That's right. Working. Uh, just uh, jump right in with the Mets. Holy cow! I'm yeah. going to say this, and um, I've been saying it uh, for a number of days. The Mets, of course, have won six in a row. Um, they make the trades the week before uh, for Juan Uribe and Kelly Johnson. We lauded those trades. We talked a lot about you and I, uh, both on the program and then, um, you know, privately, about the idea of making one more big move. And we both didn't think he would do it. And then trade deadline Thursday, of course, the debacle on Thursday night with Carlos Gomez. Wednesday night. Or Wednesday talk, night, sorry. We talked Thank about you. it on Thursday. Right, Thursday night. We talked about it. He regathers himself, Sandy Alderson. He pivots brilliantly, and on Friday, 13 minutes before the trade deadline, at 3.47 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, let's do my best, Walter Cronkite, he pulls off a deal for Ioannis Cespedes without giving up one of his big guys. Gave up a good prospect, not according to Keith, you know, not Keith Law's you know, favorite prospect of all time. Um, which who they gave up for Tyler Clippard. Right. But uh, Michael Fulmer is a very good prospect. Very good pitcher. He's probably two years away. But this is what we had begged Sandy Alderson to do, Cal, for so long, way before the season started. And then once the season started and all the injuries took place, we were begging for this kind of move. 
we were, we were begging for any move. Any move. Not well, this kind of move. Any uh, move. Yeah, that's fair. But for him to make this deal and part with a player that he drafted that he likes a lot. I mean, they're, they're well on record as liking Fulmer quite a bit. Pitcher who had the surgery and sort of reestablished himself as a prospect last year. And he gets him without giving up any of the big five. And the dividends are instant, Brian. Instant. Now, like literally within hours, they played a game Friday night against Washington. That's how instant it was. And they had their most emotional best win of the year. With a walk-off home run from the guy who was a folk hero. Who cried on the field two nights earlier because he wanted to be a Met. They blow a lead in the ninth. Right? Mm-hmm. So they're winning that game. Uh, who pitched on Friday night? Harvey, right? Harvey. Harvey. Game. Right. Harvey pitches brilliantly. He leads 2-1. to one. They blow that lead. They come back and win in the 12th on a walk-off home run by Wilmer Flores. I mean, of all things. And then they proceed to sweep the Nats like good baseball, tight ball games. DeGrom comes out on Saturday, gives up two runs in the first, doesn't give up anything else for the next five. Settles down, they get that win. And then Sunday, score is just, you know, Syndergaard's just ridiculous on Sunday Night Baseball. And they announce to everybody, hey, guess what? And and City Field is 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 alive and electric, Brian. And it was and it was alive and electric on a national stage too. Yep. Because because what because the Mets are 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 very often a national story. Let's be honest. And never in a good still way. Still working on it. Sorry, that was an accident. <laughs> I was trying to. <laughs> Trying to turn off the camera still, for being still. So you're saying you're still working on it? Still working on it. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know when I'm not. Okay, great. When we're ready. Um, um, you're still calling. I, it, it doesn't stop calling once I've back. Right. Does it work I, that way where you can just hang? I, I hit cancel literally 15 seconds ago. All right, there, there we go. Now we sound like me trying to get my grandmother to program the VCR. Ah. Well, just if you over the phone, though. Um, so yeah, so why they're, they're they're very often a joke nationally, but they get national attention a lot for all the wrong reasons. And this was one time where they got positive national attention. You had national broadcasters like Kurt Schilling and Aaron Boone falling all over themselves about Noah Syndergaard, and you had the fans who it wasn't a sellout on on Sunday night, but you couldn't tell. You couldn't tell until they until they released the attendance figures because the the place was crazy. There's only thirty five thousand people there, but they 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 made it sound like it was a sellout. Yeah. Yeah, and they, and they they put almost a hundred and you know hundred and thirty in there over the weekend. Um, you know, that's one thing that we alluded to today, talking to uh, our boys, you know, Nello and and Evan and stuff, the Yankee fans and. And I, you know, I, I'm, I, I wasn't upset. I am passionate about it because our buddy Dan, especially, sort of has said for a long time, like, you know, what are you Met fans complaining about? 
And he's been saying this for two years. You know, two, two and a half years. Look at how he's building this team and you have such a bright future and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Met fans don't want to hear that over and over again. We've been hearing that for five years. And so when they finally did make a move that is to win, now, after showing no signs of doing it for five years, the only thing they've been for five years is a joke. Literally. A laughing stock, and they were. And two weeks ago, they were a laughing stock. Two nights ago, they were a laughing stock. Last week, they were a laughing stock. I know. With the crying on the field, and that was there's, everywhere. There's no crying in baseball. I'm not sure if I heard the Mets. I, I'm not sure if I heard that. By the way, did anybody actually say that? The, uh, you haven't heard that one? Oh wait, everybody did. Yeah. So. It's a good one. To to preach patience to uh, a Met fan who. Uh, has been, you know, hasn't had a winning season since 2008. 2008! And has seen right. the Madoff scandal and the payroll slashed, and we know what's going on. We live in an age of of transparency, right? We, kn- we know what happened to the Wilpons. They can say all they want, that, that their finances were unaffected by the Madoff scandal. We know that they were. Well, we don't. We don't. We obviously don't know. But no, we do. I mean, we we do, bro. We know they well, had. To, we know the loans that they had to take to keep the team. Sure, but we don't. We don't know their exact actual finances. Well, we don't know now. We, we don't know. We, we know what they lost. It's in the court papers. Well, yeah, sure. We we <laughs> yes, but we don't. But we don't know what their net worth was at the time. We only know what they lost. Well, I the point is. Well, of course, well, you would, of course. No, no, no. I I only do because I have, I have access because of my job to certain documents and stuff like that. So then, never mind. Go on. No, no. The, the, it's nothing I would ever share, and it doesn't really matter in the end game. What we do know, because it's completely public knowledge, is what they lost in the clawback, what they lost to the Madoffs. We didn't know what their net worth was at the time, or what their holdings were, or anything like that. And it doesn't matter. So my Trend. my only my only point was that it doesn't matter. We don't know what it is, but the perception is they're broke, and perception becomes reality. So whatever they had didn't matter because everybody believed it. Well, yeah, but I'm not even talking about now because I I agree with you. It's gotten to a perception is reality now. I'm talking about in 2010 when they had to slash the payroll by 50 million dollars. Like they they had to do that. They had to take a $25 million loan from Major League Baseball. They had to take a $400 million loan from Bank of America and a bridge loan. Like, they had to do these things. Those things are are documented. So whether they still had money or not and they just weren't spending on the Mets, they had to take those loans. So, look, we know enough that their finances were unbelievably affected by the Madoffs, and therefore the team was as evidenced by the fact that they slashed payroll by $55 million over the course of four years and went from $145 million to where they are now at $89 million. Well, they're over $100 million coming into the season. They were, like, in the high 90s. No, that's... Eh. Okay. It's it's fuzzy math. It depends on what you... It depends I'm not, on you know... You, no, I'm just saying, it depends on what you include into into that. Like, are I'm you, gonna, are you including... For the rest of the night. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I'm saying, are you including Bobby Bonilla's money into that, for example? Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't. But that, but that, but there are some places. It doesn't matter if it was at 95, whatever. It was still 50 million dollars less than they had been spending. The point is, over the last five years, 
be it the Wilpons, Madoffs, uh, or Madoff, um, Sandy Alderson, uh, trades, not making trades, selling at the deadline, any of it. And then, of, of course, the PR nightmare that they are, Matt Harvey's Tommy John surgery, and then Zach Wheeler's Tommy John surgery. And, you know, everything is a PR nightmare. And in that time, too, they're, you know, they're 60 games under 500, too, playing terrible baseball a lot of times. So to tell the Met fan, eh, you know what, you could see this coming. Really? Really? You could? I mean, is that why he waited till 13 minutes before the trade deadline to make a move? I just, you know, I, 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 I'm pleased that he did. I've never been more happy to be wrong in my life, ever. The interesting thing about that is that you won't really find too many Met fans that say, ah, this was all part of the plan. See? <laughs> you, won't find, just... you won't find one. Well, okay. But it's all it's all coming. No, I mean, from would you? Out- well, maybe Catino. It's it's all coming from outside uh, Yankee fans, other uh, general baseball fans that like. Well, yeah. Do you think that the? I got the feeling that the national media was even surprised, and I've been listening to thanks to you. Been listening to you know MLB Network on Sirius and stuff like that. I feel like they were reasonably surprised that Sandy Alderson made this move. Yeah, because there really was nothing that would indicate that he was going to do this. Right. Why did he do this? That's a great question. I'd like to uh, that I wanted to get into and break down. <laughs> it's funny because I was going to ask you the same thing because it's the one thing that you and I haven't really discussed about all this. And I, I think. There's two schools of thought here. One school says he realized he has a he's looking at the Nats, he's looking at the run score differential, he's looking at all those indicators that he likes, and he's looking at his pitching, and he realized he has a legitimate shot to win. So maybe for the first time. He has a legitimate shot to win. And so it's time to make a move. And as long as he didn't have to part with one of the big five, and he was willing to part with one of the big five on Wednesday night. Well, was he? With Wheeler? You think he backed out of that deal. You So you don't think he was ever going to make that deal? Um... I thought that's what we had discussed was that he uh he used the injury as an excuse to save money. The injury to Gomez, the non existent injury. I thought I, I actually thought I proffered that as an a um a scenario, but not maybe what happened. You you seem to be of the opinion and and it's a perfectly valid uh, suggestion as well, is that he got cold feet about trading Wheeler and used the injury as an excuse to get out of it. The, no, the Gomez I, injury. That's not that's not what I thought. I didn't think he got cold feet trading Wheeler. I think he got cold feet taking on nine million dollars of salary for next year. Oh really? I didn't. Th- I thought you didn't think that. Well, I thought I, I think we both agreed that it was obvious that the Wilpon stepped in. I uh, that's what I thought. 
I didn't know if you were of that opinion as well. I guess I kind of missed that. I'm sorry. I thought I really thought you thought it was more that he got cold feet on trading Wheeler. Um, but uh, yeah, that that was my thinking. My thinking was that the Wilpons uh, might have stepped in and said, "We're not taking on that nine million dollars salary for next year." But it's difficult to say all these things now, Bry, because they did make the trade for Cespedes. Now, granted, there's no money for next year, and we can talk about that after. But that's my one school of thought. Right? What's the other school of thought? What's the other school of thought as to why he made? Yeah, why he made the deal? Yeah. Uh, the Wilpons told him to do it. That's interesting, right? Right. We got the, too much negativity around this team. We're not going to sell out the ballpark. Make this trade. But do it without. I don't think they cared. I think they just said, "Just make the trade." It's 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 entirely possible. Why do, why why do we have to continue worrying about Michael Fulmer in three years when we can get this guy now? And, and we're and we're gonna have fill to, our park now. That's right. And we're gonna have to pay these pitchers in three years anyway. We're not paying Michael Fulmer. Say that much. <laughs> Although Fulmer could replace one of these guys was the thinking uh, when they you, become um, too expensive. You always you you always. Um, I lost my train of thought because I'm trying to get my Uvu up. <laughs> all right, don't worry about Uvu. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all distracted. Tech talk. I'm ready you to are, account at Sampy. No, I got it. You always are of the school of thought, or you were, and and you are in, in invited to take as many bows as you want. That the Wilpons could be pressured into making moves. And it's pretty clear that that's what happened here. The negative publicity around the team was just so great and so smothering that they had no choice but to make this move, just to stop it. So I think that that's really what happened. I, I, and kudos to you. you. You were the one that came up with that, and I didn't think, well, that, I didn't think they would ever cave to the, to the public because they didn't care. I didn't think they cared enough to cave to the public. But I don't I don't know if they caved as much as Sandy did to maybe pressure and public perception cuz he really came out of the Gomez deal looking silly. Like they came out of the, even though they didn't make the mistake and the Brewers did, they came out of the Gomez deal Cal looking really bad. Well, did he did he come out of it, or did the organization come out of the, it? The organization, but he's he's an extension of the organization, especially when it comes to a trade. Hey, so they all did. So the Wilpons came out looking bad too. Oh no, certainly. I I think it was the second school of thought for me is pressure exerted on all of them. You know, on the Wilpons, but also on Sandy to be like, look, you. You know, we look like horses' asses again with the Gomez trade, and we didn't pull Flores out, and we were the ones who backed out, and blah, 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 blah. I mean, you have people saying and, the Mets have no choice. They have to do something and, right. after the Gomez deal fell through. That's what I'm saying. And the national media now. It's not just Adam Rubin. It's Buster Only and Jason Stark and Carl Ravitch and Ken Rosenthal. And, you know, the MLB guy, Harold Reynolds, is laughing at the Mets saying, how could you not make a move with this pitching? You know, and using words like criminal and malpractice if you don't make a move. And I think they got pressure. I think Sandy 
finally and rightly caved a little bit to the idea of this fan base deserves you know I hate that but you know what scratch that because I don't even think that this team these collection of guys deserves me giving a better effort and giving them a better chance Right. I don't think I don't think Sandy gives a rat's ass about the fans. I I never have. I don't think so. I think he cares about the I think he cares about the rumblings he was starting to hear from guys like Matt Harvey complaining about the lineup that they threw out against Clayton Kershaw two weeks ago. Well, that was an unnamed Matt. Right, aka Matt Harvey. So, um, but whoever it was, unnamed Matt, fine. Whoever it was, it it almost doesn't matter. I think the players on this organization felt abandoned. And so maybe he caved to that pressure. But also, Cal, I don't think you can underestimate the idea of him taking a pragmatic look at where the team is and what's going on and saying, hey, you know what? We could win. We could make the playoffs. It's time. The way the season is unfolding, the way the Nats are playing... The the schedule that we have left, you know he took a look at that schedule and saw only 14 games against a team with a winning record. And I think it's 16 now. Still, you know he looked at the, the, the remaining 60 games and was like, well, we're not playing anybody. So, I, I, I think it's a combination of all these things. I really do. Bry, is it fantastic or unbelievably frustrating in doing what we begged him to do since November? <laughs> they started winning. Um, I think it's frustrating to an extent. It is, but, right? Yeah, but ultimately, this is what we wanted, so we have to be happy with it. See, and I'm taking heat for that from those Yankee fans and from those kind of people. What kind of heat are you taking? That, that, that idea, you know, that uh, I, I said something to the effect of, it was to a Yankee fan, I said something to the effect of, well, gee, look, you know, lo and behold, he did what we've been asking him to do since December and add a bat to this fantastic pitching, and lo and behold, you win more games than you lose. If you have a presentable major league lineup with this pitching. And the guy was like, well, it's never good enough for you? And I'm like, I'm not saying it's not good enough for me. I'm saying... I'm ecstatic that he did it, but why didn't he do it in November? Well, who is he going to get? We well, could have got Cespedes. <laughs> I wasn't going to get Cespedes in November. For, for Fulmer? You could have got Cespedes in He was going to make that same trade in November when the Tigers didn't know what they were going to be this year? Would you have... But no, the, the Tigers... When did the Tigers trade for Cespedes? Oh, you're talking about from from Boston? Yes. Okay, that trade. Yes. 
I guess they could have. Um, uh, or, the or somebody the else. The Tigers traded Porcello. Could the Mets have the equivalent of Porcello that they were going to deal last no, but that they were going to deal last November? Who's the equivalent? Is is Rick Porcello better than John Neese? It turned out to not be this year, but the Mets, Boston, I don't think would have traded Cespedes for for John Neese. Oh, you, you're you're talking about a package of Nice, Fulmer, and say, I don't know. You could put a lower level. The guy that went who went with uh, Fulmer, Cessna, the outfielder, Cessna. Right, right. They could. I, it just it 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 doesn't matter. He didn't even try. He signed Michael Kadire, John Mabry, and then he took the rest of the winter off. Right, because and that was his plan. And the point was simply. Yeah, I'm ecstatic that he did this, but damn it, <laughs> why do we have to struggle? <laughs> well, like, that's, that's, I mean, ultimately, it's fine. This why didn't you? But why didn't he see that? That's what this team needed. I saw it. You saw it. He had a plan. He's yeah, smarter that, than everyone. I don't buy that. You don't buy that he had a plan. No. You don't buy. Okay. So, what's your theory? My theory is he got to this point in the season. He got to the trade deadline. He looked at where they were in the standings, the games that they have left, and there's a legitimate shot for them to make the playoffs because the Nats are injured, not playing well. His pitching staff has played incredibly well. He's probably getting David Wright back on September 1st. He's probably going to get Steven Matz back on September 1st. And he has a legitimate shot to make the playoffs. And he said, oh, okay. Well, we clearly need offense because we were – Horrific for a month. Who's available? Carlos Gomez? Okay, I'll try that. Didn't work. Who else is available? Now, apparently, they were having talks about Cespedes on Wednesday. After the Gomez deal fell through, yeah. Right. So that wasn't... Even though it only got done 13 minutes before the deadline, they were... You know, they had that in mind. So, look... One one way or the other, you know, with the two schools of thought, whether it was because he felt the pressure, because the Wilpons felt the pressure, I think there's something there, or because he just took a look at it and said, I can make this team better and we could actually make the playoffs. Friggin' happy he did it. You don't sound happy, though. No, no, I am. I, I am. Hmm. I, needed okay. to, I needed to get a little maybe bitterness out because it's been a very rough season for me. Hmm. I think it's been a very rough season for you too. Yeah, it has. It's been a rough couple of seasons. It's been it's been a rough <laughs> rough forty years. <laughs> it hasn't though. I hate that notion. No, it has. It has not. That from nineteen eighty three, eighty four to ninety one, ninety two, I mean there was almost nine years there that were fantastic. Had they had a wild card, they would have won three World Series. Easy. This is, since the show started, this is the first year where I've heard you two guys be vitriolic. Consistently vitriolic about the Mets. I think we reached a breaking point. Did you, Cal? I feel like you did. Of course I did. I feel like you broke a little bit. (laughs) I broke a a lot. Cal's like, I'm not arguing. No, I broke a lot. Because I broke a lot, and I'm only and I'm only back in because he made the Cespedes trade. 
Oh, it, totally. The toe was back Are in the water, though, with cesspits. <laughs> I'm sorry, it sounds like a Marvel villain. I'm sorry. Cesspits. Peach. You hear it a lot. It's like a Marvel villain. Cesspits. We have a message for the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This is Cespedes. <laughs> I'll tell you what, he can hit. Holy cow. Remember how we talked about, you, you know, maybe one bat wouldn't make a huge difference in a lineup, or a lot of people said that? I'll tell you, that one bat makes a huge difference in that lineup. Well, they, I mean, they added a couple of other bats to they it, did. too. No, they did. You know, it's a profe- you know, if you would have put Cespedes in the middle of the John Mayberry, Anthony Recker, Eric Campbell lineup, I don't know if it would have had the same impact. Who's Eric because- Recker? Eric Recker? Yeah, who's he? He's a wide receiver for the Jets. <laughs> I believe his name is Decker. Decker Recker? <laughs> I don't know him. You just combined uh, Anthony Recker and Eric Decker. Did I call him Eric Recker? By the way, two tremendously handsome professional athletes. Anthony Recker and Eric Decker. That's right. Yeah, that, yeah. Very good looking. So you could only imagine what Eric Recker looks like. <laughs> so Eric Recker is one damned handsome athlete. That is. Put those two hands together. Too much. Um. Yeah, no, it, well, but if if Cespedes is playing, John Mabry Jr. is not in that lineup. But Campbell's still in the lineup, and Wrecker's still Absolutely. in the lineup. Absolutely. No, Uribe... still batting now third. And... Uribe and Johnson were the key, were the beginning of this. Absolutely. Guess, right? And getting Darno back is big. Sure. Not so much? No, it is. It definitely is. It's huge. You said it. The thing you said the other night, Cal, struck me. Let's talk about it from a baseball standpoint, right? So, what he brings to the table, Cespedes, in terms of uh, uh, ability in the field. I didn't know he was that good of a fielder. He's a Gold Glove left fielder. He's got a tremendous arm. Um, he's just a like a Manny Ramirez type right-handed hitter. Like that. That. Double he had the other night on a slider away on a like a one-two slider that is a good pitch, and he strokes it into right center field for a double. Like he's just a hitter. He can just hit. He can flat hit. Mm-hmm. And you know how about him almost lapping Murphy last night, yeah. right? Getting a great read off the bat on Duda's double, and uh, play. And and Darling said it. It's so refreshing when you see a guy play the game. The Mets say over and over, you know, oh, they play the game the right way. They play the game the right they way. They don't play the game. They'll give me a break. They don't even remotely play the game the right way. They got a team full of idiots on this. And they, <laughs> wow. they run out there. Well, they do. I mean, they're, they're not the the. They're talented at the game of baseball, but they're not ball player. Daniel Murphy is a ball, ball player. But you can't use Daniel Murphy as an example. He's a moron. Daniel he's Murphy's a, he's a he's a baseball moron. He might be. He really is. He is. I've never seen anything like you know? it. No. The baseball IQ is not. Uh, no, not, it's not. not super but, high. But this kid is is a ball player. See, he 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 really is. And the other night, when you think about who the six, seven, eight for this lineup is tonight, 
and think about who the four, five, six was that night. Like, like a week before. You know, the six, seven, eight was, you know, what? Darno, uh, or Darno was hitting seven. Darno was hitting, it was like Flores, Darno, and Neuenheit. I, or, no, it was uh, uh, Flores, Darno, and Conforto. Right. That was six, seven, eight. Yeah, that was six, four, seven, eight. Four, five, six, a week prior was Mayberry, Campbell, Wrecker. I think Wrecker was hitting seven. Who hit sixth? I think it was maybe Kirk <laughs> or no. maybe Ligaris or something like it that. Was, no, because it was Kershaw pitching, so it was a lefty. It was Mayberry, Campbell. Look it up. Mayberry, Campbell, Wrecker. Wrecker. Four, five, six. Flores batted third that night. Right, Flores hit third. Well, that two, was that, that two was, weeks ago tonight. That was the when they almost lineup. had a perfect game thrown against them. Yeah. But that That's was the that was the Terry Collins in protest lineup, right? And then they made the trade the next day for Uribe and Johnson. Yep. Well, they brought Conforto up the next day. Right. That night they made the trade for Uribe and Johnson. That Monday they made the trade for Clippard. So, and Clippard's already paid off. Yep. On this team, gets Jason so. Worth out in a big spot on Friday night. Tell me about. We're going to talk about the Yankees in a minute too, and baseball overall, but. Because I, I just I just want to ask you like two things about the Yankees. Um, but tell me about this team going forward, Bry. They took that momentum from the three game sweep with the Nats. They, you know, really tarred the Marlins up until last night in the ninth inning. Um, and then that was a blip for you know with Eric O'Flaherty and, um, you know I'm I'm not tremendously concerned about it. They got it done. Flamelia, you know, closed the game or whatever. Um, but the bats exploded again. They had an 8 nothing lead in that game. Harvey was phenomenal. Tell me about... And Nice pitched really well the other night. Um, and, and Cologne, who needed a big outing, had a really good outing. And, you know, again, it, they got up in that game like 7 nothing. Don't you feel that the pitchers have taken a collective sigh of, you know, just a huge breath of course. Like a huge, see, you can hear a collective sigh of relief from these guys because they know if they give up a run in the first inning, the game's not over. Yeah, that's how it was. No. They couldn't, they couldn't give up two runs. They couldn't give up two runs. They gave up two runs, they had no chance of winning the game. How do you pitch like that? In some cases, they give up one run, they weren't going to win the game. Yeah. I think, like I mean, Harvey had a, a string of starts where he only gave up one run or less, and I think he only had two wins out of like seven. That's Harvey's career. Half of Harvey's starts in his career, he's given up one run or less. And he's only got like... He's got like he's got like 12 wins. I think he's got 22 now. And he's yeah, got 20, 22 career wins. 22 career wins, but in those games where he's given up one run or less, he's only got like 12. Right, and that's like 35 of his starts. Right. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a shame. What do you make of this team going forward? I mean, there are, what, about 54 games left, something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, there are two games, a uh, game and a half up. Did uh, the Nats win today? Yep. Yeah, so they're a game and a half up in first place um, with a four-game set against the Rays. No, three-game set against the Rays this weekend. Feel a different energy around the team when you watch them in the dugout. I feel like they're... They're believing. Do you do you think they're believing? Oh yeah, Absolutely. yeah, I think so too. And th- and that's a strong, 
That's a strong force on a team. The problem, though, with this team is that they're not going to win every game for the rest of the season, obviously. No. So they're going to hit they're going to hit a stretch where things are not going everything's going their way. You know, that's that's a baseball season though. Sometimes they go your way, sometimes they go against you. Right now everything is going their way. And the key to this team is when things stop going their way and they could in Tampa Bay, they're facing three pretty good pitchers yep. in Tampa this weekend. Yep. Um when things stop going their way, what do they do? Do they slide with it? Or do they put their foot down and say, hey, listen, all right, we had a couple of bad games. Let's get back on the horse here. That's the, that's the key. Because they have a tendency to slide with the direction of the, of, of the momentum. If it's negative momentum, yeah. they get wrapped up in it, and it starts to spiral on them. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm, I'm very curious to see how they respond to that next loss or two. It's a, it's a great point. But the, uh, and the complexion of that clubhouse is so different now. Like they they DFA'd Alex Torres and they you know Mayberry's not there and Campbell is in a role that he's supposed to be in he knows he's supposed to be in um, you know David Wright's been traveling with the team he'll probably be with them this weekend with the Rays Lagaris um, is on the bench Lagaris is hey if you hit you play if you don't you don't they gave him a twenty five I mean the Mets who pinch pennies like no other team gave him a twenty five million dollar contract in the off season. He's on the bench right now. Yeah, what's his contract? They gave him like a. They gave him like a. It was like seven years or six years, twenty-five million dollars. They bought out a couple of years of his of right. free agency. Right. Because it was because they they were in a, a position to give him a cheap extension. Well, they he's want, hurt too. He's hurt too, but 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 he's not playing. No. And when got, he has played, he's gotten a couple of hits. Because they've got better players than him right now. Played over the weekend, or they have, and not only, they have players playing better than him right now. Well, they have better players. Cespedes is a better player. No, no, Cespedes, I'm not talking about Cespedes. I'm talking about playing Cespedes in center and playing Conforto in left. Right. Conforto's players... a better player than Ligaris. Conforto is a better player than Ligaris. He's not a good fielder, obviously, but. I have no doubt that he will be, but is he yet? Have we seen enough? You played ball. You, Look, you, you can tell from the two of them. He can flat hit. Yeah, I have. I, 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 I will take a bow on that one because that's one of those rare instances where they, I wanted them to draft the guy and they drafted the guy, and the reason I wanted them to draft the guy has come to fruition. You knew they were going to bring him up within a year. I, I just, I wanted them to draft. I had done my little scouting. And I wanted them to draft him because he was the most major league ready hitter and had the best chance to, as a position player, move up fast for the Mets. That's exactly why I wanted them to get him. As every scouting report read, I read said, he shouldn't have to be in the minor leagues for long. Right. But that's also not how they operate. No. No, it's not. So it worked out well. I was color me shocked. Color me bad. I'll be the, the fat guy with the beard. And it worked out by circumstance because they tried everybody else before. They really did. I mean, they had everybody. I mean, they had the the the, the tomato can of the week was rolling in. Every time he turned around, you had a Siciliani or you had a Muno or you had these 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 real. I'm sorry, just real scrubs, real just 
they're, they're not major league. They're not major league players. You know, and and we were and we were forced to watch them roll them and this this anybody that that tells you that 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 they didn't look like he was letting the season die on the vine is just flat out lying. Because that's oh, exactly uh, of course what that's like. what it looked like. And no, and we, <clears throat> I was convinced that nobody cared. That will take our shot next year. David Wright was hurt this year. Yeah, we gave it a it's, good run. It's exactly it's what they did last year. Right. Matt Harvey think, was hurt. Ah, we're not going to make. And they it were going to do it again this year. Right. I don't for a second that this was his plan. Totally. On July thirty first, I think he adjusted to the the environment. And I give him a, a, a ton of credit for that, that he was able to adjust yep. and, and recognize an opportunity and seize on it. But I don't – you want to talk about his plan and, and, you know, how intelligent he is and how pragmatic he is. And this was not his plan. I'm sorry. It wasn't. No. And, I'm, and so I'm glad that it worked out the way that it did. I think it got to a point where he didn't have a choice. He didn't have a choice. He was either going to make a move or he was going to get killed in the media and killed everywhere, killed by the fans, maybe even by his own owners because nobody would come to the ballpark. Because if they don't make this move, they're not winning anything. They haven't won anything, but I'm saying they're, they're not winning baseball games. They got 26 dates left at City Field, right? I think they played 55 games there. And uh, you could be looking at 35000 a night. No, I mean, no, you know, no reason why there shouldn't be. No. And that's the thing that the Wilpons have always said, and Sandy's always said, well, you know, we need people to come out, and so we can spend on the team. Well, you know what? They're going to wind up coming out. You're going to wind up over $2 million for the season. You've never done that before at City Field, or since its first year, I guess. Yeah, I think, they're, I think they're up 10% from last year, and it's one of the highest increases in attendance in the league. They're up 3000 a game. They're up 3000 a game. So the, I think they're only up like 150,000, but they're up 150,000 over last year. You know, hey, it's it's going to be fun to watch. They are watchable. I I I'm going to do this. You ready for this? As as the the final part of our mea culpa. I think Terry Collins has done a really good job. He's made some mistakes. Some egregious ones. In my opinion, like yeah, I mean, he almost cost him a game the other night when he yeah. had Flores bunt. Yeah, and you can't you can't even blame Flores for that. No, no. I mean, he, Flores actually didn't do anything wrong. It's a terrible decision. Yep, so that's all on Collins. But the mixing and the matching, and the as you rightly pointed out, going to Lucas Duda individually and saying, "Look, buddy," and I can imagine that's how the conversation goes with Lucas Duda. It's like I'm talking to my four-and-a-half-year-old. Buddy, come on. You know? Come on. Poor Duda. We can't, you can't do it anymore, buddy. <laughs> like, you have to sit Lucas Duda down and talk to him like he's, like he's a four-and-a-half-year-old. And he's not. I don't know the man from Adam. He's probably very intelligent. Who knows? He just looks oafish. And he looks childlike. He does. Like, you sat him down and you're like... We got somebody better if you're not going to hit. Right. You know, you, it's not a job for life. Well, whatever it is, he's hitting. And, and I, keep, well, I but I give I give Collins credit. To, look, I didn't like Cespedes hitting second the other night, but I'm not going to go crazy about it. 
I think he's mixing. I think he's mixing and matching very well, getting guys starts, putting Conforto in the lineup, moving Cespedes to center, you know, giving Flores a day at second base, giving him a day at shortstop. You know, moving, get Kelly Johnson in the lineup, play Uribe at third base, make sure Dan, Daniel Murphy's not. I think he's doing a good job with it. Because with those parts, when you have major league players, you should mix and match. Well, that was the other, that was the other thing that he did was he brought players in, but he brought versatile players in. Yeah. So he, he just, that, that, and I was talking to somebody about this. Like, it's amazing how literally overnight he went from having no options to having so many options he could make the wrong choice. Right. Like he had no choice one day and the next day. Now he's got all, I mean, he's got to actually make a choice. Yeah. Which good. Which is good. I mean, he can screw it up, but at least he can screw it up. I mean, you you can't screw up a lineup with with John Mabrier Jr. and Eric Campbell and uh, Eric Anthony Decker Wrecker in it. You I mean, can't do that. T- it's, it's it's pretty telling that the guys that they have designated for assignment this year nobody wanted. Nobody wanted Dylan G. Nobody nope. wanted John Mayberry. Nope. Nobody wants Alex Torres. Kirk Newenheis wound up back. Kirk Newenheis, yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, what, what, what does that <laughs> right. tell you? But and you know what, New and Ice can yeah. New and Ice can come back and be a nice bench outfielder. Very nice. Maybe. Lefty Whatever. bat off the bench. He's hurt. Yeah. I think Kirk. I think Kirk New and Ice is the type of guy that you ride while he's hot, and then the minute he has a bad game, he's he's done. You pull him. You, that's. Yeah, he doesn't play for long. That's all. There's no. Oh, he had a bad game. I'll put him out there tomorrow. No, when he has the bad game, that's it. He's going to have a lot of bad games in a row. <laughs> that's so, right. The bad games are coming. Right, so just so stop, but he got hurt. So you know what's interesting is uh, this is the last thing on the Mets because I want to. I have so many other things I want to talk to you about, um, but but it's important because the Mets have done something we haven't seen in years. Um, they're at a point now, Bry, where that thing we always talked about about having really good pitching and and enough offense means you should win three out of four, four out of five. So you were talking about that, you know, that losing streak that might be coming or whatever. You now have they could go on a five or six game losing streak because they can get a brilliantly pitched game four nights in a row and still lose two to one. Right? You should be able to avoid that now. And with that pitching, with that starting pitching as good as it is, and the bullpen improved with Clippard, you should win four out of five. You you could. You could conceivably win four out of five or three in a row or, you know, three you know, three out of five or you know, like yeah, it's, hard, it's hard to expect a team to play at an eight hundred clip, but well, I, I know I know what you're saying. Yeah, I I don't need them to play at an eight hundred clip for the last fifty four games, but if you can go if you can go, you know, thirty eight and sixteen you know, thirty six and eighteen well, they could. They absolutely of course, could. Of course they could. Of course they could. That's a lot to expect. No, but I'm I'm, I'm not saying I expect that, Bry. But with pitching this good, you shouldn't lose two games in a row. Yeah, you because can, you because you can hit now. Yeah, but you could you could very easily lose Cologne and Nice games in a row. You could, but you should, but but technically you should win one of those games because your offense is going to win you one of those games. Again, their offense is 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 clicking. All the way through right now, it's it's not going to. No, of course for not. But it, games, but, it, but also, so. but also, 
on the nights where it's not clicking, it, it, you don't have to have your pitching clicking every night. And this is a team that could play 15, 18 games over 500 the rest of the way. They could. It's. It, I don't think they will, but um, it's it's set up so that they at least the offense could pick up a bad a bad outing. Where if there was a bad outing in the past, there was no shot. That was it. The game's over. Yeah, I think this is a, the the way the team is constituted now. You can put together streaks. You can win three in a row, four in a row, uh, and and put together put together streaks like that. And that's how you climb to, you know, fifteen games over five hundred for that stretch because you're only losing. You know, if you if you're winning, you know, four out of every six games, and there's fifty four games left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I I refuse. It was my understanding there'd be no math. Don't. Um, but anyway, I, that, that's I. It's going to be really fun to watch, and I'm ecstatic. I really am. I, I I want. There's nothing I want more than to be wrong about the Mets and everything I've said this year. There's nothing minus the stuff about the Wim, Will Ponds because that'll never change. Um, there's nothing I would like more than to be wrong. So. Here we are. We'll see what happens. Man, I just now they turn around and they do this, and now there's so many likable guys on the team. They went from a completely unlikable team. You the same just, guys. Now you like the guys. Now I'm. I feel like I'm okay to like the guys again. Hmm. I feel like it's okay to like the guys again. There, there are guys that I. It's not that I ever stopped liking them. It's just when they're. A competitive team like this, they're so much easier to root for. Not a winning team. A competently put together team. With elite pitching. Yeah, you can't argue with that. I mean, Harvey, DeGrom, Syndergaard, holy cow. They're all really good. I had a buddy, had a, buddy a Yankee fan. You remember Demegs? Remember my buddy Demegs? Sure. A huge Yankee, I mean the Yankee fan, and, and a magnificent Yankee fan. And he texted me tonight. He goes, he goes, I'm not just saying this. He goes, you, you're the team to beat in the National League. He's like, with that trade, with Cespedes and with Uribe, and you, you guys should be the team to beat in the National League. He's like, because power arms win all the time. Look at the trends in the, in Major League Baseball. Whether they're in the bullpen or at the front of a rotation, power arms win. I said, I I hope so. I don't think we're the team to beat in the National League. They're not. They're not. But that pitching certainly makes them tough. Look, if the, I I I think if they can get to the playoffs, they they would be a favorite. I don't think they'd be an underdog in the playoffs. If Even you, I had Dodgers, the, they probably would be. I had the great question from a Yankee fan yesterday. So, they make the playoffs, right? And you're in a series. Say they win the division. So, you're not in the wild card game. What's your Which, what's your rotation? It's way too early for that. No, it's it's not not anything going to hold you to. What but you know, what's your rotation? What's your rotation? It's it's exactly what you're looking at right now. Harvey DeGrom, Syndergaard, and probably Nice. So, you you say Harvey starts game 1, no question. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I said it. He said he said he starts to Grom game one. He's a Yankee fan. 
He said, I go DeGrom, Harvey, Syndergaard. I don't think he can. And I don't I don't think you're wrong to go either Harvey or DeGrom. I don't think you're wrong, which whichever one you choose. Yeah. But I think Harvey takes a hit if you start him second. Right. And DeGrom just doesn't care. Doesn't He'll, care. Right. And I think that for and, – and because you can't go wrong either way, you have to go with Harvey first. Now – that that's saying, I mean, this, again, this is way too soon to even be talking about it. No, he was just... It was I'm very just, uncomfortable even discussing it, but... Well... It depends on how the season ends and if you can... No, no, he was saying, he was saying, walk. he was saying, take those factors out of the equation. You can do anything you want with the rotation. You've, you've clinched. That's what I would do. You know. Now, I said, you, I said it depends on opponent. How come? If it was the Nats, I would start Harvey. If it was the Dodgers, I would have to kick it around because DeGrom has been so good against them. The five-game series, you're talking about, because the first series would be a five-game series. Yes. Well, they wouldn't play the Nats because you can't play. Why can't you play a wild card team? Right. Didn't they change that rule? Oh, they changed it, right. I was wrong, wrong again. No, no, no. Yeah. They they did. You're right. right? You're right. Yeah, but recently, bad. I feel like. So, um, it's five game series. I don't know if that changes things. Well, it did for me because I said I don't. Nice isn't pitching in that series. Who's pitching in that series? It's the three guys. Well, and then I'm, and then I'm bringing back Harvey and Degrom for games four and five. On short rest. Yeah. Yeah. That's not happening. And so and he goes, "What do you do with Matt's? I said I put Matt's in the seventh inning. <laughs> I make Matt's my seventh inning guy. Yeah, I feel like he'd have to be on the roster, right? Oh, definitely. It's, so he's, he's pitched in two major league games so far. So I mean, we have to we have to temper it a little bit. But I guess he'd have to be on the roster. No, he's magnificent. I refuse. I don't. I don't yeah. I he's refuse injury. to temper. I refuse to temper it. He's injury pro. <laughs> he's like Darnell. Right. Hey, Darno, we, there's no guarantee Darno's going to be around for the playoffs. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I don't think he will be. <laughs> Something's going to happen. I just said I, I thought it would depend on opponent. I would say 90% of the opponents, it would be Harvey. The only one I would give any sort of thought to would be the Dodgers. It's because DeGrom has been so good against them. But you're right. Harvey needs it. I don't think DeGrom will give a crap. Right. I think Harvey would be pissed off if he's not starting game one of a playoff series at City Field or something like that. Right. Right. He's. I mean, he's he's gone as a free agent anyway. Yeah. He would probably ask for a trade. That's right. <laughs> be like, I'm screw this. I'm not even going to wait. I'm out of he, here. He's been very good lately. He's been very good. His last nine starts, I think he's like a 174 ERA. It's crazy. Um, I, oh, yeah. Yankees, real quick. Just one point. Really interesting that they didn't trade any of their young guys. I don't understand Yankee fans. This is like I'm about to do a comedy routine. I don't understand women. It's good because they don't understand Met fans, as we talked about earlier. Yeah, so makes sense. Although our good Yankee fan friends understand exactly what Brian Cashman is doing, and we're happy about it. Mm-hmm. Other Yankee fans are just apoplectic that they didn't make a trade for a pitcher. And, you know, so you're not going to trade – you could have made a trade without giving up Judge or Severino. Really? You could? 
How do you know? Did he try? We don't even know if he tried. The only thing we know that he tried, supposedly, on Valentine's Day, was uh, Mateo for Kimbrel. Um, the shortstop. No, no, they wanted Mateo. No, 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 no. On baseball, on MLB Network, the next day, San Diego asked for Mateo originally, like on like Monday or Tuesday. Cashman said no. Right. Then Cashman went back to them and said, Mateo is available, but I want Kim- – and, and we'll take on uh, Jerko's terrible contract. And San Diego said no. No. Oh. Okay. Well, they had a they had a solid business plan at the deadline. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that worked out well. Good job, everybody. Yeah. They're they're in it. Yeah. So I was I was pleasantly surprised that the Yankees kept all their guys. I, I this Yankee team is in the season that they're having is completely fascinating to me. It is that they're seven games up, and I just I did not see it coming. They've gotten tremendous performances out of the veterans, uh, like like Teixeira and A Rod. Obviously, you know the two huge guys who have monster contracts are having unbelievable seasons that they could not have possibly expected. And then Ellsbury's starting to be Ellsbury and play to that contract. And you have Brett Gardner, and you know this is still a hundred eighty nine million dollar team. But and and now the pitching, like you know, uh, um, Pineda goes down. They have Severino come up and pitch really well yesterday. He's good. Yeah, I didn't watch it. I saw the highlights. I saw a lot of the highlights. I watched the uh, the condensed game on at bat. Mm-hmm. Just so, just I just want to see him and stuff. Looks good. Good stuff. Touching ninety six. I mean, he should he should be in the rotation the rest of the way. They need him. Right. Um, but to keep you know keep Judge and keep uh, uh, Gary Sanchez and keep their bigger prospects, I thought was impressive. They're building that team. Look, they're building that team the right way. And they get a lot of money off the books next year. Right, yeah. For them. Yep. Are you ready for the Subway Series? Or no? Nope. Is that premature? Yeah, it's very premature. I didn't want it in 2000. I definitely don't want it now. I was thinking about this uh, today. Once again... That's what's going to happen because we can't. We just can't enjoy the Mets, right? We just can't enjoy a magical run. I was thinking, like, what would be more Mets than them finally getting back to the World Series after 15 years, and and finally having a great run, and the GM finally does what he's supposed to do and constructs the team the right way, and there's the Yankees. Yeah, that was that was, but that's what everybody would love. I mean, that's what that's what all New Yorkers want. Not all of them. It's what they deserve. It's what they're but I'm entitled not a, to. I'm not a New Yorker anymore. You're not a New Yorker, so. Nope. I'm a Pennsylvanian. So you could want whatever you want. <laughs> you can want you get what you get, and you don't get upset. Yeah, that's it. Did you ever hear that one around the girls when they were little? Yeah, we sure. I had the first time I heard that, I was floored. Yeah. Heard, heard it at a gymboree. And, and, and they were giving out uh, like uh, musical like tambourines or something, which is a great idea. Right. Give 13 two-and-a-half-year-olds tambourines and then tr- try to get them away from them. Okay, time for cleanup. Yeah, right. 
<laughs> I got a tambourine, lady. Are you nuts? I'm not cleaning nothing up. No, no, no. You're gonna take this tambourine out of my hands. <laughs> you're gonna need you're gonna need some specialists, like an ether rag is what you're gonna need. <laughs> um, you get what you get, and you don't get upset. On to the Jets, but more on to football. So Tom Brady's emails came out from the case, and all they really do is make Tom Brady look like a really good guy. Of course. Like he won't, he won't. You know, he's 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 going to do a, a talk for the Boston Bruins about uh, sports science and sports medicine and the science of his body and how he keeps himself in shape. But it, or for the Canucks, I think it was right for the Canucks. I I don't know who it was. But he wants to make sure that the owner gives a donation to his sports science academy and getting underprivileged kids sports science. And he's. You know, he's he emails Bob Kraft about, hey, did you forget about that donation you're going to make to the TB12 Tom Brady Fund? And it just makes Tom Brady look like a magnificent guy who also has a relationship with his kid uh, from Bridget Moynihan. And apparently, Giselle is copied on a number of the emails, and they're not only amicable, but they're all uh, talking about how properly to raise the children. Three of them getting along like peas in a pod. Right? The perfect guy. So this makes the NFL look like bigger a-holes than they already possibly could have. And then you had Antonio Cromartie say today, he only thinks Tom Brady should have been fined $25,000 and that the suspension is ridiculous. But, quote, what do you expect? Roger Goodell is making it up as he goes. Now... I, I raise this question with you, Cal, because I feel like the NFL is at a crossroads. I'm going to be try to be as dramatic as possible if I can. Mm. Because music to play. The NFL Players Association, who collectively bargained a number of these things, whether it be discipline for uh, off the field actions, discipline and suspensions for abuses of recreational pharmaceuticals, um, or discipline and investigation standards for when they're investigating a league game. That's why Tom Brady was being suspended and his suspension was upheld. They collectively bargained how you can investigate a game. Mm -hmm. And in that it says, you have to cooperate to the fullest extent of the NFL investigator. He didn't. You didn't give over your cell phone. We wanted it. You're suspended for four games. Therefore, exactly, you did not cooperate with the collectively bargained investigation procedures that your union put in place. But what about a guy that beats his wife and only gets two games? Has nothing to do with it. But he didn't beat it. All he did was deflate footballs. It didn't even have an effect on the game. That's not the Yeah, but that's but that's the thing. Sure. It didn't have an effect on the game. Sure. Even though it does. But that's not the but that's not the point, right? Roger Goodell is saying those are two not related circumstances. And the NFLPA has collectively bargained what the discipline is going to be 
for the player who beats his wife. Right. They forgot. They probably forgot what they bargained for. Yeah. It happened a while ago. I have my agent take care of it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Just get it done. Yeah. They, they, they don't read that. Stuff. That's why we have a player representative. I don't have to pay attention to this stuff. Right. So at this point, Bry, you have the NFLPA, which is supposedly acting in the best interest of the players, in a collective bargaining agreement that most of the players don't know anything about. Right. And you have the players going against the NFLPA, like Tom Brady saying, uh, it, you know, uh, it's ridiculous that they want to see my phone. They have no right to see my phone. I'm bringing this lawsuit because I want to help other players. Right. I want to help my fellow players and stop the NFL from doing this. But, but, you, but you collectively bargain this. Yeah, it makes no sense. And then you have the NFL, who's not right either. Because Roger Goodell has been acting as judge, jury, executioner, rexecutioner, you know, every other wrestling villain you can think of. He's doing all this stuff um, from a, a catbird seat that is completely in the owner's pocket. He hides behind the shield all the time. And the punishments are willy-nilly at best. <laughs> yeah. There, I mean, they and there's not another collective bargaining agreement until like 2021. Right. They just they just renegotiated this recently. Right. Yeah, they're always they're an embarrassment again. You know, they are they they're making money more money than God, and they can't seem to keep their affairs in order. Do you think at some point, what better? What happens first? The players' association and the players rebel against Roger Goodell and the owners because, you know, the, the certain players, you know, Richard Sherman, guys like that have said this, that like, they all know Goodell is in the owner's pockets. You know, they're, they're just, they're just chattel, these guys. And a, a lot of players have come out and said it. So do they at some point through their union revolt, quote unquote, how? They could strike. I don't. I, I'm just wondering. I don't. I, yeah, I, don't, it, I, don't, I don't. Does know it come do to it? Does it come to a tipping point where they're tired of the disciplinary uh, or the disciplinary action being so arbitrary that collectively bargained or not, they're they're not going to stand for it. It may, but. I think as long as they're making money. Yeah, or is everybody just making too much money? I think I think that's that's what the bottom line is. If they're making money, then whatever. Would you have suspended Brady at all? Yeah. I would suspend. I I I personally I don't have a problem with the four games. Okay. I'm I'm fine with it. Because of the way he hindered the investigation. Right. You know. And it, 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 there, this is definitely a makeup call for the years of, of transgressions that the Patriots got away with. So I think he inflated the punishment retroactively. We talked about this. Yeah, no, no, we did. I, I'm wondering if you have moved off that at all in light of, you know, the what seems to be circumstantial evidence that the NFL had. No, I'm not in the business of being fair when it comes to the Patriots, so I'm <laughs> I'm perfectly fine with what he did. 
So funny, Patriot fans too. Like they're so indignant. They really are. Yeah. Goodness. I mean, just no. Fu- funny is not the word that I I would use. If if Tom Brady had, I mean, does he does he win if he comes out and says, "Yeah, you got me." I don't think he, I think he's too far down that road now. Hmm. I don't know if I don't know if he can withdraw at this point. I think he's got to see this all through. He's gonna file a lawsuit against the league. Yeah, I think he's got to see it through. I think so too. But everybody's saying like this story will never go away, and it's hanging over. The, I mean, let's let's go easy here. No, I. Are you bothered by this? Like on a daily basis? Is it affecting the way you're going to consume the NFL this year? Of course not. No. Of course. If, look, nothing to this point has affected the way I consume the NFL. I'm still <laughs> going to watch it. And it, a whole lot worse has been done. Yeah. Right? I'm still yeah. going to watch it. Are you not ready to talk about the Jets? You want to talk about the Jets? No, no. I'm I'm just you 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 I think we've been so all in on the Mets and baseball and on such an emotional roller coaster that we kind of missed that like camp has started and they have their first preseason game a week from tonight and there's a lot of going on. With... We still have that sound clip. Yeah. I I have been following. I know. Give me your thoughts. Tell me what you think. How do you feel? What's your gut around this team right now? There are two storylines that are playing out. The Gino, the new Gino storyline. The new and improved Gino storyline, which half the fan base seems to be like, ah, bullshit. And the other half of the fan base seems to be like, why are you saying that? Don't you want him to maybe have this be true? So there's there's that. And, and players uh, on the team consistently saying he looks like a better, different quarterback. Right? Right. So that's one storyline. The other storyline is how different Todd Bowles is from Rex Ryan. Yeah, right. And just the players over and over talking about accountability and talking about discipline and talking about liking it better. I mean, Calvin Pace had a great thing, Cal, talking about, you know, they're doing camp at Florham. Right. At Florham Park. So they're staying in a hotel. They're not in Cortland, like in the dorms. The dorms, right. And and Calvin Pace was like, come on, I'm a grown man. Right. I don't know, it's nice to get out after a hard practice and like have a little civilization, like a little room service and a little, you know, come on. I got to go check into a dorm and sleep with another guy and (laughs) come on. So... The the early reports I I loved his uh, Bowles Todd Bowles' speech you know about Sheldon Richardson and what he talked about and the way they've been handling it I think I would have liked to have seen them maybe um, you know we talked about maybe them being proactive Cal yeah but uh, having listened to them since then and listening to McCagnan today and. Uh, Bowls, you know, yesterday and Bowls today on uh, on uh, with Boomer and Carton from camp. They're like, we're, we're, hey, look, we're worried about him as a person. We're going to try to get him into rehab, you know, or whatever. We're going to try to provide resources for him to get him better. 
but we know the league is going to do something. So there's, there's, they've been made aware that the league is going to discipline him in some way, shape, or form. All right, so they're going to be without him for quite some time. Yeah, so there's, but there's no point in them being like, oh, you're suspended six games, and then having the league be like, you're suspended four more games, and then all of a sudden you've lost them for 16 games. Well, we talked about that last week. Who's going to handle the punishment? Was it going to be the league or was it going to be the Jets? Right, and so, it's, it seems that they've gotten wind right. that it's going to be the league. Right. But um, the other, yeah, that's the other storyline. And uh, Brandon Marshall, I mean, I think underrated trade and pickup that this guy, if he can be healthy, I mean, he's only 31, you know, in football years, I know that's old, but he's a wide receiver, not an offensive lineman. Uh, I mean, if this guy, every, every practice report you read about this guy, Bri says, he's just crazy. Just an animal. He's like a Revis type practice player. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there's if he's healthy, there's not really telling how much better he makes that offense. He has the potential to really make that offense considerably better. Sure. If they're uh, all healthy, that's that's quite a receiving core that they got. Yeah. And the defense has been as advertised so far. Yeah. Um you know, Todd Bowles putting guys now they lost Antonio Allen today, looks like uh, for a while. Doesn't seem like Mo Wilkerson's hamstring is anything to uh, really be concerned about. I, I'm excited about this team. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving everything I'm hearing out of Todd Bowles. What a what a just a delight, Cal. Oh, he's breath of fresh air. Oh, and everything you hear from the players is that the camp is run so much differently. But they're and they're not saying it in a negative way. They're very they're very clear that this is not a country club camp no. that he's running, and it's exhausting and it's a lot of work. But they're almost saying it like that's a good thing. Yeah. Oh, another, another, yeah, absolutely. And another great, uh, last thing I picked up from McCagnan, uh, today, yesterday, the other day on ESPN radio, this guy is, this guy is good. First thing he gets on with Boomer and Carton today, Cal, he played in a, uh, charity softball game that they had put together like last month. Uh huh. And McCagnan played and Bowles played and uh, a couple other jet people or whatever. And uh, they teased him bringing on. He was playing third base. There was a man on first and second. McCagney was playing third base. Ground ball hit to him. Uh, I think it was like one out. And instead of just stepping on third, he tried to turn double play. <laughs> so they were like, uh, you know, quick question. What do you do? You know, blah, blah, blah. And he was laughing. He's like, yeah, I know. Terrible job. <laughs> Total brain freeze by me. And then he goes, uh, well, he says. He doesn't go because he's not a 13-year-old girl. And then he says, um, if you guys want to do something like that anytime, again, we, the Jets organization, myself, would love to be a part of that uh, kind of event again. It was, uh, he's like, you guys did, it was a wonderful cause and it was so much fun and thank you so much for having, I mean, brilliant. Yeah, but he was, he was, he was like that from the very beginning. Yep. The minute he walked in, he recognized, hey, I need this, I need this outlet. And Boomer and Carton were at Jets camp today. Yeah. I haven't seen a lot. And and Francesca's going there next week. Yep. Which is, like, unheard of. And again, McCagnan ends the interview with, thank you, guys. Anything I can do for you down the line, you just let me know. Did his homework. Yep. And he was 
engaging today, but the one key football thing that he said, and he has made a point to say it so many times, Brian, and I love it, when he's asked about the quarterbacks, and is there a competition, I'm going to defer to Todd. Todd makes the depth chart. Right. He said Todd Bowles has full control over the 53-man roster. Todd makes the depth chart. Yeah, have I seen this out of Geno? Have we seen this out of out of Ryan Fitzpatrick? Sure. Todd Bowles decides who plays. It's almost as if he went to school on everything Itzik did wrong Yeah. and is doing the opposite. Well, between Itzik and Tannenbaum, too. Right. He's looking at right. the last five years... And what went wrong? Yep. And he's he's doing the opposite. And he's and his his playbook is to do the exact opposite. He's, exact he's opposite. Costanza. He's Costanza. Yeah. But he's well, he's yeah, he's, he's well spoken. He's in, he he comes across well. I'm impressed by him. I I I am too. And I'm impressed with the team he put together. Yeah. He doesn't seem over his head. He's getting a ton of flack from some Jet fans for not having signed Muhammad Wilkerson yet. I I, I think he's, I think they're and I think they're trying. Yeah, but there's no rush. He's there's no there. rush. Not anywhere. Because they could franchise tag him next year too. Yeah. You got to lock him up long term. You got to lock him up long term. Well, okay. You also have to have the other side not ask for eight hundred million dollars. A year. Yeah. A year. <laughs> that seems ex- that seems exorbitant. <laughs> All right. This number is high. When will you? When will? When will you get in on the Jets? How 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 far in are you looking for me to get? First preseason game next Thursday night. Will you watch? No, because we're going to be on the air. When we no, do but the show. I mean, we always... We, we've been on... <laughs> no. It's the last show before vacation, before you take your Francesa vacation. Right. That'll be the, it'll probably be the last show of what would be, we would consider the... The season. season. The right. season. So, so that's the season finale next week. That is a season finale next week. So... Let's put something together. I, look, I'm not saying anything, but you might want to listen next week. I'm not saying anything else. And I... <laughs> you might want to listen. You might want to listen, and if you've got a PJ t-shirt, uh, that may become a collector's item. Just say. <laughs> um, all right, we good? We good with the sports? Anything else? Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, nothing. Nothing else. Come think. on, you got something else I feel like. No, I don't, I'm, that's what I'm trying to think. I don't, I don't think. No? no? No. You're good? I think we unpacked it nicely. I do too. Good job. It feels nice to say, let's go Mets. Mm. Doesn't it? I Look, I'm just... I'm always worried. <laughs> Sorry. I can't. I can't fully give myself to them. Can't do it. <laughs> so romantic. Well, it, well, it is when you think about it. I can't. It's like, do a, it. it's like a romance novel. I can't do it because there's always an anvil around the corner with this team. Always, like a guy who breaks his arm, is finally ready to come back, and falls off a curb and breaks his arm. <laughs> is that what he did? Fell off a curb. He stepped the wrong way off of a curb and fell down and broke the same arm and is out for the season. Jerry Blevins did. Jerry Blevins. University of Dayton's own, by the way. Yeah, well, he broke his arm again, falling off a curb. In the midst of a six-game winning streak, and they're the talk of baseball, and everybody's flying high. 
what happens? The man falls off the curb and re-breaks the same arm that he's been out right. for six months or five months or whatever. So, so because of that, he fell off a curb? How do you even do that? I put, and then he puts his left arm down? He winds up breaking the exact break, same arm. He to break sur- his fall? He broke his arm. He needs surgery. Again. He's a free agent, so he pitched a total of five innings for the Mets. He needs another surgery? Yeah, he's done. He's done for the year. He's done. That's it. He was just about to throw. And it has a very familiar ring to it because the Mets made this trade for Eric O'Flaherty the other night. It was like, wow, this is proactive. They're getting another lefty in the bullpen. Yeah, they knew that Jerry Blevins had fallen off a curb at that point when they made that trade. Oh, they did know. Yeah, they knew. Then that's why they made the trade. So He refractured his left forearm bone. I wasn't joking about this. That's magnificent. This is not a bit. He fell off a curb. <laughs> only the Mets. That's, a, that's an only the Mets. Fell off a curb. Yeah, that's a classic. So that's why. That's why you're not fully giving yourself to them. Look, 2006, everything was going their way. You've, I've never seen a season where everything went their way. Even, even 86, they ran into some obstacles. In 2006, there wasn't a single obstacle in their nope. way. Well, they were un, on a un, until a late night cab ride. Well, they were on a they were on a, a runaway train that in, year in and, Miami, right? And all of a sudden. And right before the trading deadline, too. So they had to change their plans completely. Correct. So rather than get another starting pitcher, which is what they needed, they had to go get a reliever because Dwayne Sanchez got hungry. At 1.30 in the morning in Miami, took a cab. And they had to trade Xavier Nady, and they brought in Roberto Hernandez. Correct. It was a mess. And they they had to start John Maine and... A, you know, a rookie, and and they had to start Oliver Perez in Game Seven of the NLCS, right. and he pitched a great game. So we can't. He pitched well. Great game. Great game's a little strong. Kept them in the game. They had a chance to win that game. Yeah, he pitched well. He pitched very well. Okay. For Oliver Perez. No, it was a great game for Oliver Perez. <laughs> it was an amazing game for Oliver Perez. For the lay for the lay pitcher, it was an okay game. For the. A pitcher? Yeah, like so the, the lay- pitcher that's a priest? Like the layman. <laughs> yes. Right? He's the lay pitcher. <laughs> lay lay pitcher lay? Yeah, hey, listen, you know what? Have fun. Ride, Sally, ride? Have, have fun with your Mets, you know? Go blow your balloons and dance around and play your trombone. It's going to be fun. Yeah, parade, the, party, take him back to New York. Tell the Yankee fans how we're better than them. There yeah, you go. all fun. Make fun of the Nationals. Do that. Do, that's a big one. Make fun of the Nationals. Well, I don't have a problem with that. I hate the Nationals. That's, that's a good one, you know. Just keep, you know, can't be enough. Can't be enough that you're winning. This is, gotta, why, gotta, this is why we can't have nice things. Got to take it too far, but. Yep. Anyway. Too far. It is. Really. 
Okay, time for the Ready to Unload Fun Load. And of course, PJ, who's been hanging out on the Uvu call, and we're doing a video call all night, two seconds before the Fun Load drops off. No, I could, I, I could still see you guys. I can't see you. Hold up, John. Hold up some fingers. I will tell you how many fingers you're holding up. Two. Uh, two. Peace sign. Wow. Cal, you're not supposed to say. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Hey, are you guys uh, uh, employing your air conditioning tonight, or are your windows open on this August night? Air conditioning. Yeah, my air runs... It's not central air, so it goes on and off. So I just leave it. I don't open the windows. I got shut it down. I got allergies. I shut it down. We have gone on natural. Whoa! Whoa! It is glorious. Wait a minute. Hot dog. The robot. The sounds. The sounds of nature. The fresh air. By me, wow. I don't get a lot of traffic, so it's. It's just. Chirps and whistles of nature. Are you oh, writing a poem awesome. right now? She's got art behind me. Oh, Fred Bunkley. Yes, I am. <laughs> well, I am a published author, so I mean. Yes. I mean. Well, before we talk about uh, The Daily Show, which is, uh, as we speak, having its last episode, um, which I am, of course, DVRing. Uh, I do want to I, I do want to talk about that, but um, let's talk a little bit about your publishing career um, and your uh, your new burgeoning blog writer career type thing. What's uh, what's all that about? Tech Corner. Well, with RT Sports, stem, it stems from <laughs> from True Detective. Yes, you wrote uh, a little something, something about which... True Detective. Well, it's not just that. It's that we have been talking about True Detective back and forth, and our extended group of friends weigh in on it back and forth. And uh, uh, Nello had some very unkind things to say, and I had had enough. I was like, that's it. I can't hear one more negative review of the show. He is a bit of a provocateur, that Nello. He is. Woody Woodpecker. Yeah, Steve, Steve with the Mets, PJ with True Detective. The travel maker. He know he knows the buttons to push. Sure does. And he and Steve them. said, "Why don't you write it down?" <laughs> I did. You did. He said, "Write it down. Get it out of your system." Yep. So I, I, uh, I took some methamphetamine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I took a whole handful of meth. <laughs> I took a lot of Sudafed. <laughs> and uh, just sat in front of the laptop and, and just, just first draft, like really no editing, and just threw it down and threw it up on Facebook. And somebody who I have not seen in over 20 years who now uh, publishes a, a magazine uh, and, and uh, a technology and pop culture magazine um, picked it up. He's like, this is, this is great. It's laden with curses, but it's great. 
do you mind if I publish it? And I was like, uh, okay. Uh, and within like 20 minutes, he had he had put it out. It's like certainly uh, and a byline. Yeah, it's certainly and and in the byline uh, byline were mentioned, Cal. Yeah, I know. I saw that. Yeah, contributor to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Um, the uh, now I wish the, I had taken greater care in writing it. <laughs> yes. Well, so do well, we. There's no, Bob, no, this please. There's no response. It's so right. Us. It's so does the reader. Yeah. <laughs> it's Steve's show, so I don't care. Yeah, no, Cal has oh. nothing invested here. It's, <laughs> no, it's my, great. It's, it's my show. Um, so next time, please bounce these, bounce these things off me. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a very interesting article from the uh, or or you know a post from the standpoint of it certainly raised a lot of debate. Can you? I, I can't think of a show that. Well, I mean, I'm sure I can, but let's think of a show that has raised this sort of debate because people are. I sent it to some people who dislike season two strongly, and uh, of yeah. uh, True Detective, and they, they were they were absolutely they were like angry at you, oh, as if I you think? had as you, as if you had written season two. <laughs> <laughs> well, you I were you were side. telling them yeah you were telling them that they were you know dipshits if they didn't like it. Can you say that? I just did. Mm. The second S bomb I've dropped tonight. Feeling saucy. I missed the first one. Well, I'm glad you're listening. <laughs> um, can you think of a show that's done this? It's very divisive. Divisive? Dismissive. Well, it, it is because this is this is uh, this is like to me this is like uh, Joey following friends. I think there's because a little more on the line than there no, was with no, Joey no. following Friends. In no, that, that in, in that, Friends was done and put to bed, just as season one of this show was done and put to bed. We were never going to see those characters again. Oh, I see what you're saying. You know, it was it was a standalone thing, and and one of the things that I had said was that I admired the producers for insisting that this second season still be called True Detective. Although there is an argument to be made that maybe they'd be better off if they had just launched this as a totally different series and called it, you know, Dark L.A. Cop or something. <laughs> uh, That's not a super catchy name. I don't do well with titles. Yeah, we should probably brainstorm, just freeform the title a little bit more. Uh, okay. Unshaven, sad man. How about L.A. Confidential? <laughs> Catchy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Noir type series of shows in L.A. How about Joey? How about <laughs> Should have called it Joey. Oh my God! They should have called it Joey or Fraser. No, the, 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 the only thing the article was about really was that. <laughs> Was that I, I? I'll be well and good with with good arguments against the show when someone writes a good argument against the show. Against that show, not a good against, argument based on the idea of season one. Yes, because season two is not really season two of True Detective. It's an entirely different show. 
You right. want to destroy Watch you want to destroy that show. Don't, fine. Yeah, but see, don't live blog episode one and think that you're critiquing it. You know what I mean? Sit down right. and watch. Like I did. It, it's been se- it's been seven hours now. Whether well, you had a responsibility to do that because I was looking for it, but <laughs> I was, you know, it, if you're going to watch the show, watch all of the show and then sit back and start. Then start writing about it. Right. You know. Um, you, you, you know, critiques like oh, it's moving really slow and stuff isn't happening. You know. <laughs> it, what, Not helpful. What the hell? Not helpful. Like, why did you even bother writing that? I think... uh, This is uh, not the way I want it. (laughs) Right. Well, that's the main critique. That it's not exactly the way I want it. Right. And and, uh, without giving anything away, Cal, this is a zero spoiler alert uh, situation. I I feel like I know enough right now, so it's fine. Yeah, it's just like I, I said to you today. I think... Uh, Peach, they would have been better suited naming it something else. Yeah, I really do. Maybe. If they were, if if he was going to do this, call it something else. Because this is not. If 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 season one of True Detective was True Detective, this is something entirely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're if you're not going to continue it, and you're not going to allude to anything else, and it's not. It's completely serialized. Call it something else. Right, Dark L.A. Is... Noir. Right. Drakkar Noir. The first the first season was, you know, take, taking the the buddy cop thing, turning it way on its head. I think most and... people's problem is par- yeah. probably the writing. From what I've seen just from episode one, and I'm... And by writing, I mean dialogue, not the story or the characters' backstories or anything. It's just dialogue. Like, people are expecting you, – you, you can't replicate what Matthew McConaughey was saying in season one. Nor should you try. No. no. That said, there were two or three cringe. There are two or three cringeworthy lines in in the in the pilot. But I can't decide if they're cringeworthy because they're poorly written or they're cringeworthy because of the way they're delivered. That's where I am. Do you have an example? Yes, <laughs> I have several. And everything that <laughs> comes out of Taylor Kitsch's mouth in the pilot stinks. He stinks. The kitschy. He's kitschy. Yeah. He's got he's got a big flower like a pastel sort of <laughs> like uh I don't know why I think that comes to me with kitsch. What's another kitschy thing? No, that's you're right. It's like uh um the pet rock. Is that the pet kitschy? rock. That's kitschy. He yeah. has a pet rock on him at all times. Rooster <laughs> no, art in your kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he's, he's, I, I don't care for him. And I feel like everybody was talking about how Vaughn is so, with all these cringeworthy lines and stuff, I thought everything they gave Taylor Kitsch to say is cringeworthy because it's like straight pulp crime novel stuff. Right. Or, yeah, well or, that's, 
or tormented no is, no, guide stuff. Almost no one is letting that pass. That he, it's it's written like pulp. It's written like a Mike Hammer novel. Right. It really. You said that today. It's Mike Hammer with cursing, and I yeah. totally agree with that. But the Vaughn hungry hunger line is rough. But I can't figure out if it's Vaughn or if he was directed to be that way. I also think he has some really wonderful moments in the pilot. I really do. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Vaughn is playing a character who himself is putting on a performance. Right. Yeah. Am I... I, I mean, I, I saw that... From the pilot, is that being missed by people? Yeah, people are just calling him stiff. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's just, that's. I'm I'm. I mean, I I didn't even recognize that because you had said it. I recognize that because it's clear. Yeah. He's he's playing a guy who. I mean, she even says it. You don't have to put on airs. How many times did he say, should I have gotten the country club? I should have got the country club. Right? For the for the big announcement. And she says to him, you don't have to put on airs. He totally does. That's what he's doing. She's a... Uh, I don't know who that is, but she's a better supporting... She, she does a very good job at being his supporting character throughout. Well, I think if he um, took one thing to heart... It was that he didn't write strong enough women because the pilot, like, Rachel McAdams kicks everyone's ass. She's awesome. And and the wife, yeah, Vince Vaughn's wife is really strong. Like, she's the strength. So that's a complete departure from season one. But then again, sold the whole show. <laughs> Very much so. Cal, here's the best way I could put it. And I, I, you know, I really do want you to try to watch it. But watch season one first, because season yeah, one no, is some of the best television of all time. <laughs> if this was set in 1957, no one would have a problem with it. <laughs> uh, that's all he would need to do. Same exact acting, same exact dialogue. Even the one plot I can see with Los Angeles and the thing and the zoning and the you know getting things built and if this but is see, 19- if, that, if it was set in if it was set in 1957, everybody in the cast would be doing more Hollywood acting. No, 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 and, but but that but I'm you're you're missing my point, Peach. You take okay. this exact everything that you just saw in the pilot or that I just saw in the pilot, you do the exact same thing. You just put them in period clothes and cars. And nobody has a problem with this. And they smoke a lot. The exact same... Well, they do that anyway. The exact same performance. The exact same performances. Everything. Literally everything. Matter of fact, I smoke when I watch it. And <laughs> just to fit in. Well, that's like Mad Men. Just to, just to feel right. Like Mad Men, when I quit smoking, it was almost uh, five years ago. August 20th would be five years. Um, and I would watch Mad Men like, I'd be like, ah, oh, this sucks. Because <laughs> when I used to watch it before I quit smoking, you'd take like four or five smoke breaks. <laughs> like every, every commercial, you'd go have a cigarette. 
Because you're like, I got it. They're all smoking a lot, and I smoke, so we should all do this together. No, but if you if you did the and you just put them in period clothes and period cars, and you had the girl singing like a crooner instead of like a you know Susie and the Banshees, you'd, you no one would say a word, a word. People would be eating it up with a spoon. No one would say a word about Vince Vaughn's acting. No one would say a word about the dialogue. They would all accept it. I, think I it really, is flawed, I really believe but I, that. But I think it's it's way better than people are giving it. Way better. Well, I'll say this. I didn't really like the first episode, but I didn't really dislike the first episode. I'm just intrigued. Mm-hmm. There were elements of it that I liked, elements of it that I didn't like. I'm intrigued to see the characters. So we'll see where it goes. Okay. I'm. I'm there are four to... main characters. One of the things I think it might have going against it is that there are four really main characters. That all Therefore, have to be surfaced, right. It, yeah, it moves a lot slower. Right. We're going to lose the live feed in about 90 seconds, so please go to uh, Blog Talk Radio, Archer Sports. But definitely go, to, definitely go to iTunes. Right. Go to iTunes and download the podcast. Uh, we would love for you to do that. Okay. Um, so thank you if you were listening live thank you if you've downloaded the podcast um, and we're going to continue a spoiler free true detective story and we're going to talk about the daily show in a sec um, and, and and it might have turned into a job for me by the way that's right well you should do more of that you're was, very talented it was well I mean I don't know anything about the show but it was well written it was entertaining I found even, even with all the swearing even with all the cursing I, 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 yeah, I think that might be another reason that people have such a problem with it because the first season or season one was such a two-character study. Yeah, and it starts right? gangbusters. It was it Marty, an and it amazing was, crime. Yeah, it's 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 like a show you've never seen before. That's yeah. why it was so great. And it's only two guys. It's these two guys. Yeah, there are ancillary characters, but it's these two guys. They just bounce off the two guys, yeah. That's it. Everything revolves around those two guys and their world. And right. this seems to be four people. It, even more. It sprawls. You meet everybody's parents. I mean, it's just, right. <laughs> It's crazy. <laughs> Third cousins once removed. I'm not like, even wow, kidding, though. It's like, oh, we got your parents, too? Okay, and her sister, and this. All right, fine, here we go. A lot of people. Oh, there's a lot of people in this show. You need a scorecard to keep track. You need patience. you got to get four hours in before it starts to gel. Nobody has patience. Come on. Baloney. I know that um, I'm asking too much. I expect all of the, the pushback. Yeah, and you're going to get it. And I'm you, must be, it. you must be very intimidating, though. I know a few people who refuse to even engage in in conversation with you about it, who who dislike the show uh, strongly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I said, I'm open to that. That's fine. I I ju- it just made me crazy. The people that were taking it upon themselves to write up 
bad reviews of a show that I could tell they were not watching closely. That made me nuts. And you did something about it, didn't you? I mean, you know, what what if somebody was writing a, a negative review of Seinfeld and they were like, I don't even know what their names are, but they make me nuts. <laughs> These three people in New York, they're always complaining. Well, that was it's pretty much the show. <laughs> that wouldn't be a, that wouldn't be a dishonest review. And you couldn't say uh, you didn't know their names if you knew the name of the show. That's right. You knew at least one of their names. <laughs> Jose is, Jose Seinfeld. Which one is the? Seinfeld? How about my old my old housemate who always called it Steinfeld? Because he was obsessed with Jake Steinfeld. Body by Jake. He just called Body it by Steinfeld. Jake. He, not only that, he knew the guy's name was Jerry Seinfeld, and he called the show Steinfeld. Not just being obstinate, I feel like. <laughs> Probably uh, anti-Semitic, too. Or obsolete. Or obsolete. Um, Cal... The d- oblong. Obstreperous. Obstin- Remember the oblong? Will Ferrell? <laughs> not it. The oblongs. Yeah. Will Ferrell's first cartoon? Yeah. yeah. I remember that. That was goofy. No, I don't remember that. What was it on Fox? Uh, beep, 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 boop, boop, boop. I, I, I don't have that information for you, but it was a funny little show. Cal, tell me about John Stewart and the Daily Show. Uh, what's what is there to say that hasn't already been said? I don't know. That's, that's I, I haven't heard you say anything about it. About John Stewart? So this will be a first then. Um, and it will have not been said because it will have not been said by you. What can I tell you? He's been brilliant. Are you a huge fan, medium fan, casual fan? I am not nearly the fan I wish I was. All right, sir. Um, I would watch him occasionally. Okay. I did not watch him religiously. Uh, every time I watched him, I wish I watched him more. Interesting. He left you uh, wanting to come back for more. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. And and I thought everything that he did was just was brilliant. Is was there a point in this run where, be it during a presidential election or something like that, where he became a new source for you? <sighs> no, never a new source. Okay, so you would still do you watch? You don't watch like CNN or Fox, do you? I told you I'm not talking politics. I'm not talking politics either. I'm just wondering if you watch <laughs> a news channel. Just just by naming the network, he considers right. it. Talking well, it is politics. now. I mean, it is. He's yeah, right. Well. You're right in a way. Yeah. No, I, I I get I get my news from various outlets, but I would want to check in with John Stewart to get his take on it. Okay. And how he would present it. So I didn't. He didn't break news for me, but I was always interested to hear his how he would present it. Okay. Right. Because he always did it in such a great way. Are you as fascinated by institutions? This one's for you too, Peach. Are you as fascinated as I am by things that become an institution? Like yes. In pop culture or... Yeah, absolutely. How does that happen, right? 
that it, ha- it happens organically. It does. You can't force find an, right. You can't force something to become an institution. That has to just happen. Like you can't set out and say, "All right, I'm gonna, we're gonna make this epic show, and it's gonna be an institution, and people are gonna remember it for years, and it's gonna be this." You know, you can't make it happen. It's just gotta happen organically. Did you watch Kilborn at all, either of you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yep. so did I. And I thought it was good. I remember the launch. Like I remember it being like I'm because uh, I loved Craig Kilborn. Well, and because he came from sports. Right. I loved him on ESPN, uh, on Sports Center, and I was fascinated by the show. So you got to figure the show is like if if this is Stewart's 16 year, the show's probably. 20, 20, 19 maybe? Approximately, yeah. Because Kilborn did it for like three years, didn't he? I could see like 96 maybe it started. Yeah. Um, Peach, did you watch the Kilborn version? And then at what yes, point I... did you be... Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. Five questions, baby. Remember five questions? Five questions, yeah. Sure. He took that with him to his late show. He did take it to the late show. That was a good bit, the five questions. He his, I think I, his problem was... I liked he, his snarkiness. Yeah, well, he got a late show. I mean, how do you turn that down? Right? Like, but, he uh, he could have no idea that The Daily Show was going to be bigger or better than one of the late night shows. Yeah. But from and Craig what, Kilborn, you never, you never took a position. Right. Well, Craig it wasn't Kilborn nearly was sh- as political of a show. No. Either. No, no. No, it was sillier. Um uh, and, and and more irreverent. With without the pointed snark of of the John Stewart Daily Show. Did you know Stewart when he took over? I love John Stewart. Yeah, so did I. Love to stand up. Cal's building a shelf right now, by the way. Be good. Um, <laughs> is it an IKEA shelf? It is an IKEA. It's a uh, hus- uh, do husk. It's a uh, Lanook. It's a Lanook, right? <laughs> Farve Garden. With a lot of A's. A haka. A lot of <laughs> consecutive A's. The, uh, <laughs> um, I I I knew Stewart really well. I loved his stand up. Uh, and then he Watches had the John TV shows. He had the John Stewart yeah. show on MTV, which I did watch. At what point does he become so? Uh, Peach, you would say huge fan, right? You would say religiously. I was religious for about five, six, seven straight years. Yeah. Uh, Give me those years. What are you, then, those? you talking like the more, the more the more kids that were added, the the, the spottier the watching got. Right. Yeah. Um. Would you say two thousand to? I'd say two. I'd say like two thousand two to two thousand ten. I was. You were in every really day. Really watching. Yeah, I was in every day. You don't think he became the institution with the with the Bush Gore election? Oh, I do. Right, which is earlier. That was like towards the beginning of his run. 
in the 2000. Bush, the Bush Gore election is 2000. I think he really cements it though in in 04. In 04. Yes. I remember in 04 watching their election coverage. Watching the Daily Show's election night coverage over like real networks. Right. I I I yeah, well, I Blazingly there funny was, stuff. That was Bush and Kerry. That was Bush and Kerry. Um, I I got to be honest, fellas. Though it's been my news source for a long time now. Like, I I I can't I can't watch uh, any of the major news networks. I can't. Um, if something happens, like and even now I don't even do it anymore. Like, um, I'm trying to think of the last thing like I watched CNN a lot for because it was breaking. Maybe when 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 uh, Osama bin Laden was assassinated, uh, assassinated or killed, or whatever. Um, I think I watched CNN, you know, a lot for that coverage. Yeah, but it's been a couple of uh, years now. Other than that, well, that was on my birthday in what 2011, 2012. Um, other than that, I watched The Daily Show. <laughs> I I started DVRing it about six years ago, five, six years ago, and I would watch it either the next day or uh, the next morning, or I, I, I've been watching it pretty much a lot. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it was a better source of news for me. Just was, you know, and and as he's gotten, I think over the last five or six years, he's gotten less sort of peace driven and more sort of topical. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. even more so, then I could tune in on a on a Wednesday night and actually hear about a story from that day. He you did know, a couple of things really well that other other hosts didn't really do, like you know they they. They they'd have a um an author on at least once a week. Yes. And you could tell that he read the book. I think his guests are critical to the success of the show. Yeah. I mean there's there's really something to be said about a host that reads the book. <laughs> and yeah. and asks what a concept. And his interview I mean his interview style, his ability to interview anyone be they, you know, Dennis Leary and then, you know, Madeline Albright and then, you know... Matt Harvey. And then Matt Harvey and, yeah. you know... Yeah. Um, and be comfortable in any one of those arenas. The the interviews are key. They're huge. But also, think of the careers that the show has launched. Think of the careers that he's launched. Mm-hmm. You know, as sort of the godfather of that show. Or as Wyatt Sinek recently on WTF who doesn't have the warmest and fuzziest feelings for Jon Stewart um, said, you know, he was kind of like the boss and the father to everyone and he didn't always kind of accept that role. But um, I'm going to be really sad to see him go. Yeah. Oh, he's he's gone. It's over. It's, o- it's over now. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, should we sing well, that? 
what's what's what? the more impactful show over the last uh, fifteen years? There is uh, none. Tonight Show with Jay Leno or or uh, or his? I mean, these uh, are just for late night. It's not even for well, anything. Well, I mean, Letterman <laughs> close, Letterman. right? Right or Letterman, right? It's not. I mean, it's not close. How influential that show is, dude! He got the president on like four times. Right. Letterman, you know, Letterman like, has an edge, I think, because he gets so many bands. <laughs> yeah, but I, but I mean, we talked about Letterman when he went off the air. I thought he was extremely influential. Oh, he, no. and he was an institution. Like I, I believe Letterman was more of an institution than Leno. Oh, absolutely, right? absolutely. Even though Leno did better in the ratings. Yeah, Letterman, but, Letterman, the, the man was much more of an institution. Absolutely. I mean, institutionally, it it's like, for us, it's Carson and The Tonight Show, and then it's Letterman. Right. Because Letterman was revolutionary. The other thing about The Daily Show, though, is I, I think very much, you know, don't forget the Colbert Report is a spinoff. Mm. And it very much changed the way I think our generation consumes news. Like, what it's looking for in news. Like, I'd much rather have a satirical or sardonic take on a current event than the real story. <laughs> you know? And yeah, I mean, his his politics are very close to mine. Uh, but that said, so what? Right. Well, and I, the format of, you know... Um, presenting a, a, the crux of a news story in about 25, 30 seconds as a launching point to then skewer the media's coverage of that That's right. for six minutes is great. Because you, you, he, he generally they would front load it with, okay, well, here's the facts. Bip, 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 right. bip. Now watch what these airheads did with it. Yeah, and they and they also were able to, in many ways, present their own sort of POV on it through the correspondence, right? So, you know, the, the piece that John Oliver would do or the piece that Samantha Bee would do or Jason Jones or, you know, whatever. These myriad of unbelievably talented comedians and writers and stuff would Carell. be able to, you know, Corral, of course, yeah. right? Steve Corral. Um, would be able to Colbert before you know before he, he got his own show. Yeah. The um, they would be able to present like take that news story and then present a point of view on it. You know, right? Um, which I thought was was fantastic too. I mean, it's just it's been so good. Yeah, it's been so consistent and so good. Now. Interesting question, to me at least. Has anybody watched last week tonight with John Oliver? Sure. Right. So I've been watching every episode since he started. I'm a huge John Oliver fan. Have been since the first time I saw him on the Daily Show. Um, that show has become an extension of the Daily Show, right? It's really, really Much good. longer pieces, though. Well, they do it. They do a main piece, right? I mean, I mean does, they could do like does, a news magazine, like a twenty twenty. That's right. Type, you know. 
Yeah, he's doing a good 16, 18-minute piece. Yeah, it's uh, great. Yes, it's, the show is really, really steeped in facts. Do you guys Generally. think, though, that if he doesn't do the guest hosting spot last summer and do so well with it, that maybe he's the replacement? Instead I would have thought so. Instead yeah. of giving Trevor Noah an opportunity, or right, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think they yeah, want Trevor I, Noah to be the replacement. I, I think they do now, Bry. But I think um, if John Oliver hadn't done so well last year subbing for John Stewart, he never gets this show on HBO. Right, and I and I think everybody kind of assumed that he was going to replace John right. Stewart. Like that was the logical progression. Right, but he did so well. He, he was too good. Yeah. He was almost too good that he wound up getting this HBO gig, which he probably gets paid really well for. Right. A and B yeah. has carte blanche to curse and carte blanche to do a lot more than he might be able to, you know, on Comedy Central. Yeah, when he um, when he subbed for Stewart, he also was smart enough to do it in his own voice. Yep. You know. No, he absolutely did. I'm I'm kind of bummed because as much as I love last week tonight, I wish Oliver was taking over for John Stewart. How do we feel about Trevor Noah? I think he's going to get treated like the second season of True Detective. <laughs> That's great. New host, That's perfect. That's new perfect writers, analogy. Yep. New yep. show. What's going to happen? Yeah. Right. Who's going to let it slide? And you know what? To your point, Steve, in situations like this, it's always the second guy that winds up doing better. Right. Because the immediate replacement, it's too soon. Yep. And he's held to such a ridiculous standard that he can only fail Yep. like Conan O'Brien yep. when he took over for Leno. He could, he could only fail. There was yep. no way he could succeed. And now Fallon comes in. And now Fallon is knocking it out of the park. Yep. So my question is, who takes over after Trevor Noah fails? <laughs> right. Wow, you could be a lot of people. I really thought they should have went with a woman. And I really thought they should have went with... No, I, th- I I don't think Sam B can carry it. She's good. I think they should have went Jessica Williams. Mm. Sure, I really Williams. That would have been interesting. I think she's fantastic. Yeah, you could do you could do Whitney Cummings. But I think Jessica Williams is fantastic. I really do. She is. She's great. I think she's just great. And that would have been a very interesting show. To me. I I, I don't want to say Trevor Noah is going to fail. I don't feel great about it. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't love the choice. No, no. Yeah, no. Follow that vibe. He's not, he, it's, he's not going to do well. It's going to be very it's hard. Gonna be, very it's going to be so different. That's the problem. It's going to be just a completely different feel to that show. Yep. And I don't I, know I, if anybody's ready to accept that. Right. right. I think. Right. I think back on some of my favorite things about the Daily Show, though, guys. Like what? I, I mean, I'm a, a few of my favorite things. No, I mean, I'm just, I'm just such a, I'm such a huge fan of it because I, I love Stewart so much. I loved John Stewart when he took over. I loved him as a stand-up. I it was I I mean I've watched it so much. It's been a daily part of I hate to do that daily part of my life. It's been a daily show. 
every day, and some <laughs> of his interviews are some of are some of the best things I've seen. Like him right. interviewing the the extended interview with like a Marco Rubio is must watch. I almost went to the rally for uh, Sanity. I was all set to go, but uh, my wife was going to have a child. Because he got so into it with Rubio. No, no, just as a separate thought. Like I, I that's how much of a fan I am, though. I was mm. set to drive down to D.C. Well, I mean, geez, just what he did with Glenn Beck. Yeah. The the, the satirization with with the the blackboard and the glasses. with the blackboard. It's just it's oh, one of the man. best moments. It's, it's one of the most tremendous moments. It really is. Hey, look, Glenn Beck's not around anymore on TV that I can see. This guy's getting to walk away the way he wants to. What do you think he does? What do you think John Stewart's going to do? I think he'll go back and do stand-up. You think? Yep. Eventually. I think all all his best friends are stand-ups. But, you know, he said it a lot. I just want to kind of be home with my kids, my wife. Yeah, take a good year off before yeah. the voices yep. become too and loud. And then maybe again. maybe produces, maybe does. I don't know. We buy the Mets. That would be great. That'd be great. How old is he? What is what is he? Fifty two. He's in his early fifties, I think. Yeah. yeah. He's he's an unbelievably talented guy. He yeah. really is. And what, whatever he decides that he wants to do, he's gonna he's gonna knock that out of the park. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna miss I'm gonna miss the idea though that that's that's as you said, Cal, really rightly, and I think I I was maybe just a little more uh, invested because I would watch it every day. Yeah. But I'm gonna miss his take on the news and just the, just their their spin on things, that particular writer and that particular voice, you know. It's 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 a big part of our time. Sixteen years. I mean, a long time. He, he started doing the show. I was twenty five, and I was watching it then. You know, that's a long time to be that good to have your fastball for that long. Really, no, I loved. Yeah. I loved when he took apart Jim Cramer. Oh, that was so good. It was so good. I mean, and he did it. You know, he he did it from a place of. Yeah, no, go. What were you going to say, Peach? I was going to say it was, it just wasn't mean. It was necessary. Yeah. No, no. It it was just a relentless line of questioning that I mean, by the end of the interview, Kramer couldn't do anything but say, "Yeah, yeah, no, you you got me." Uh Right. Yeah, maybe this should change, you know. <laughs> yep. Incredible. Everybody remembers. Everybody probably remembers the the moment with Tucker Carlson too. <laughs> you know, he said, you know, it's it's sad that people are getting news from you and stuff like that. And he's like, or, or you're an opinion maker or whatever. And he goes, if I'm an opinion maker, how I'm on Comedy Central. Yeah. My lead in are puppets making effing crank calls. <laughs> Because that's when Crank Yankers was on right before it. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. He goes, my the, the lead-in show is puppets making effing crank calls. 
He's like, if people are getting my news, if the people are getting their news from me, something is wrong with what you're doing. Right. Yeah, he he told them their theater. Yeah. He told Tucker Carlson, this is theater. You're wearing a bow tie. <laughs> yeah. Ah, yeah. oh, so good. Oh, he pissed off. He pissed him off so bad. Oh, totally. Carlson. And the so, other guy didn't know so what very to do. Good. Nope. Who was the other guy with Tucker Carlson there? Was it Begala? I don't know. Mike Birbiglia? No. I think it was Paul Begala. Might have been. All I know is it stinks. But I respect his decision, but but it stinks. That's when it became really, really clear that, like, well, I'm not here to be just the the joke-cracking guy. If I've got a half hour, we're going to talk about stuff. You know, look, totally. look at what he did for the nine eleven responders. Yep, and what he's done for uh, for veterans' benefits. Right. Yeah. Right. As well as med- and medical care for returning veterans. Um, and I and I think you're. I think he actively tried to. It's it's rare that you see somebody try to make something into something and succeed so well. Like I think his vision for that show is exactly what it became, and it and it succeeded like extraordinarily well. You think it's because you know? left alone? There was no I think I, meddling. I, I think so. I think also because Liz, you know Liz Winstead and and the producers and stuff like that like saw the same vision that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he got unbelievably talented people. And why, again, Wyatt Snack said it last week on WTF, guys. He was like, that's some writer's room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a crazy writer's room. Think of the, think of the talent that has come across the table as a, as a, as a correspondent on that show. How does Wyatt Snack walk away from that sour? Well, there was what a... What happened there, to him? He, he had a fight with Stewart. What happened was, one night, Stewart was doing... He said... Uh, Snack said he was in his hotel room because he was out doing a remote. So he was shooting a remote. He's watching the show that night, and Stewart did an impression of Herman Cain, and it sounded like Kingfish, he said. And he said the impression... Nobody had seen it, and it was... It was as if Stewart's go-to impression of a black man was a bit racist. And so he didn't like it. And he brought it up to the kind of email, the kind of producers, and was like, I don't know if I feel great about what just happened. And so, and it got picked up by like Fox and everything. Fox was like, you know, John Stewart, the the liberal king or whatever is making, you know, doing stereotypical stuff and blah, blah, blah. And it was a big story. And Stewart decided, they decided to answer the critiques by doing a, yeah, sure, it's racist. Just like it's racist when I do a Jewish voice and it sounds like this. And it's just like it's racist when I do this, you know, an Italian voice and it sounds like this. He's like, they're stereotypes. 
And Wyatt Cenac was basically saying, yeah, but you are Jewish. You know, so it doesn't, it doesn't, are you in the ice machine again? <laughs> Do you hear it? So anyway, Cenac didn't agree with them doing the piece, and he and Stewart got into a huge fight, like a shouting match. Wow. Like just a terrible shouting match. And Stewart basically wow. said to him, well, I see your point, and I don't care. You know, or 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 I I see that you have a point, but I don't think it's valid. <laughs> Something like well, that. So anyway, I think Sinac- I speak for the entire Ready to Unload show when I say typical black guy. <laughs> the, opinions <laughs> expressed, the opinions expressed by Wait, what? <laughs> what did he say? Wait. <laughs> what? But anyway, so Sinac stayed there for like a year. Um. But just as a writer, like he didn't, he didn't, he went back to just writing. And uh, but anyway, oh, I never, I never knew any of that. That's, uh, you, that's well, you don't, and you don't hear too many stories like that, which leads me to my last little bit on this. Is there, cow. is there a tell-all book, not a tell-all, but like a behind-the-scenes that you would want more than the Daily Show? Yeah, I can't think of too great. many. That would be great. Oprah. If they could if they could get the <laughs> no interest. If they could get the, the you know, the correspondence to each do a chapter, if I could get a Wriggle chapter and a Rob Cordry chapter, you know. Cordry, right. That, yep. That would be insane. Yep. Like a, a uh, uh what do they call them? A uh narrative what does uh, Simmons always do, Cal? Oral history. Oral history. Thank you. Ed Helms started there too, right? Ed Helms. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Was a correspondent. Oral history of the Daily Show. That would be tremendous. I can't think Who of too are many your top three Daily Show correspondents. Oh. Can we get a Mount Rushmore, please? The Mount Rushmore. Can I get a Mount Rushmore, Can I do four? please? Four. Okay. Yeah. If you must. You do four. It's Give me a Mount Rushmore. The Mount Rushmore is not our bit. We did the we did the bit before anybody was doing it. We did it first. Yeah, we we sure did. I thought we didn't do it. All right, we did it second. But we did it as a a satirization. We actually yeah we satired the idea that everybody was doing it. Right. And now we're doing it. Give me a Mount Rushmore of presidents on Mount Rushmore. Go. (laughs) (laughs) Got to start with Washington. Sometimes I feel like Lincoln's got to be there. He's the first. He's the best. FDR. Wait. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. My uh, my history. Mount Rushmore. John Oliver is one. Mm-hmm. Firm. Not moving from one. I. You're an Anglophile, uh, though. I am an Anglophile, totally. Um, I'm going to give, let me give you my second is, uh, oh boy. I kind of love, I kind of love, um, uh, Larry Wilborn too. That's a big Larry Wilborn guy. Wilborn. Uh, Larry Wilborn, sorry, thank you. Um, Larry, Larry Wilborn, don't know who he is. I'm big on him. (laughs) I'm I'm sure he's just as good. I'm sure he's very talented. (laughs) 
<laughs> he just burped up. Hey, someone knows me. Who do you got? That was only two. Yeah, I'm gonna give two. two. You guys give two, and I'll give. I'll come back. Oh, who's next? I can give you. My go score. ahead, Brian. Okay, go ahead, Peach. Corral. Boom. Riggle. Cordry. Boom. Hodgman. Oh, Hodgman. Well, Hodgman. Hodgman didn't do field work. Hodgman was just at the desk. He was a desk right. horse. Yeah, but he was good. Yeah. I'm going Hodgman. Yeah, I'll throw Hodgman in a, in that third spot. That guy. That guy. Yeah, he was good. I could probably do Riggle in the four. Right. I would do Cordry over Riggle. Really? Yeah, I like Cordry. I tell you what, Jason Cordry Jones. Is Jason hilarious. Jones. Jason Jones did some good stuff. And I always like Moraka. I liked Moraka too. You know, he got his Jason his Jones got old. Yeah. He insists upon up. himself. <laughs> right. But in the but in the very beginning I liked it. It was different. Yeah. I noticed we had no well, women. Mo, Mo Rocco was one of those guys who like he admits he used the Daily Show as his stepping stone program. Right. Oh, yeah. you know who I forgot? Terrible job by me and one of my favorites. Asif Manvi. Yeah. Oh, very. Sure. Oh, so good. Um, I got a I got a list here. We'll do this list real quick. And Lewis Black, I don't count as a correspondent. No, he's his own thing. Yeah. He's a guest. I'm gonna uh, let me read through some of these for you guys. You ready? Uh, correspondents: Jordan Klepper, Al Madrigal, Asif Manvi, Hassan Minj- Minhaj. Jessica Williams. Mm. Kristen Shaw. Not a fan. Ugh. Uh, Dan Bacadal. Hired to replace... But you weren't... You're not not a fan of Kristen Shaw? No. I enjoy her. Too much. Samantha B. Mary Birdsong. A. Whitney Brown. I remember him. Mm. A. Whitney Brown was on Saturday Night Live for for a while. Well, no, I yeah, I don't remember him on the Daily Show. He he was on in '96 to '98, so he wasn't on with Stewart. Um, Steve Carell, Wyatt Cenac, Michael Shea, Stephen Colbert, Nate Cordry, Rob Cordry, Josh Gad. Wow, didn't know that. Yeah, he did some funny ones. Yeah. Vance DeGeneres, who I, I like him. a lot. Uh, Susie Essman for a year in '96. Rachel Harris, Ed Helms, Ed Helms, Jason Jones, Beth Littleford. Yep. Who does a lot of commercials now? And is on Dog with a Blog. Yep. Olivia Munn was that on for That show is the worst. Side note. John Oliver, Kristen Ray, Rob Riggle, Mo Rocca, Jeffrey Ross for a year, 1996. Michael Showalter for a year, 1996. Jeff Stilson, Miriam Tolan, RJ's mom. Uh, Brian Unger. Oh, Brian Unger. Very solid. I liked him. David Wayne. 
Nancy. They, they had like everybody from the state. Yeah. Nancy Walls. Pre Saturday Night Live. Matt. This Walsh. might have been the reason why the why the Kilborn show uh, started so strong. Sounds yeah. like they had a lot of state writers. Yep. Uh, Matt Walsh was on for a year. I remember that too. Mm-hmm. Lauren Weedman, Bob Wiltfong, Liz Winstead. Of course, she's the co-creator of the show. Stacy Grenock Woods. I don't know who that is. Don't know who that is. Hodgman, Al Greenwood, John Glazer, um, Dimitri Martin. Okay. Yeah, Dimitri. I remember Dimitri Martin absolutely. He was a child. Um, yep. Yeah. Oh, this is the, they got a they have a timeline, guys, on Wikipedia. It's very cool. Oh yeah, look at that. Very cool. David Tell. I don't remember that at all. Ed Helms, Rock Cordry. Wow. Yeah, that, you I mean, can bet been... that's considered a failed experiment, David. The David Tell time. Yes. Yeah, there's some brilliant stuff there, guys. Brilliant stuff. I, I, I'll say this. I'm gonna miss them. All right, we gotta wrap this up, puppies. Oh, will you? Will you now go watch it now, or you'll watch it tomorrow? I'm gonna watch it now. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go watch it now. I need. Do you to. think I... this is the kind of thing that they should? They should put out. Should 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 it be cataloged and thrown up on Netflix? Because it was, you know, it's so it is so timely. It's all curated on Comedy Central. I feel like, right? Yeah, you can get a lot of it on Comedy Central. Can you too. You know what I would do? Ooh, I would put together. I would put together a compilation of the interviews. And that would be one. That would be one piece. And then I would put together like I would like to see like a greatest hits. Like, two thousand to two thousand four, two thousand five to two thousand eight. Mm. You know, like break it into three yeah. year or three or four year chunks and do like a greatest hits. I guess I know. Yep. And give me an hour and a half of those. You know. Okay. okay. All right. You're on board. You could have that. I think Thank it, you. I think it deserves that and more. I, I, okay. I, I, I would like to know that I could go back and, and you know dial one up. You can turn back time, like share. I could find a way. <laughs> okay, there it was, and that'll do it. Oh. Yeah. Have to say it like that. Doesn't like yeah. to wear red. Yeah. PJ, final one. <laughs> My thoughts on share. Uh, I mean, I'm a little bit wistful about uh, about the Daily Show right now. So uh, I'm just gonna say adios, John Stewart. Uh, even though we just did it for the last hour. And, uh, that's it. Sail on. <laughs> Cal, final one of Well, keeping with the theme, I want to say thank you to John Stewart. He did a great 
great show for 16 years, which, like you said, Steve said it best. How you have your fastball for 16 years is remarkable. So he was great. He will be great again, whatever he does. But thank you, John Stewart. Yeah, and I'll finish with the same sentiment. I will really miss the Daily Show with John Stewart. It's been a pretty big daily part of my life for a long time. It's going to be weird not to have it in a daily show. Hence the name. All right, we'll see you all next week. Thanks for joining us. Good night, y'all. You know, now you got time to watch The Leftovers, Steve. I am not watching The Leftovers. How dare you? Why don't ever bring up that show again on our program? You eat the leftovers. <laughs> the opinions expressed by PJ are not necessarily those of Ready to Unload, Cal, or Sampy. <laughs> or even BJ.